Sony hits the end zone. Time to jack back in to Battle Network. Well, hello and welcome to Triangle Squared. I am your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, back from his slumber, is one Solomon Bridges. Saul, yep. how are you doing today, buddy? Good. How are you guys doing? <clears throat> We're good. Glad to have you back. Excellent. Hope that your trip was interesting, at the very least, which it yeah, seems it was, like it was. Pretty, pretty, high from, quality, pretty high quality acid. Nice. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to have low quality acid. I don't actually know about tripping. Is that what you call when you're on acid, right? Or can you trip from non-acid things? Depends on you, mushrooms? I guess. Is eh. a trip essentially a psychedelic? I just on mushrooms. Happening? Yeah. Is that basically what it is? Yeah. You, you vibe. So hold on. Are you telling me? <laughs> that, are you telling me that as long as it's it, does a trip imply that it's bad? No. You wanna know what I did when I did mushrooms? I went to my buddy's house in New York and we made mushroom tea. <laughs> And then I played Apex Legends, and the only time I was ever focused on the game was when there were enemies there. It was like I was just kind of staring at my reticle and letting it go around the screen. The enemies show up, snap back in. But then we gave up on Apex, and we watched this anime called Slam Dunk for eight hours, and it was awesome. That show is sick. It's a great show. At least when you're on shrooms, right? No, it's a great show. (laughs) <laughs> all right well uh i guess saul i'll let you continue on with the rest of this role i didn't mean to throw us off so far but you know what that's okay alongside me for this episode is mr chris figs okay. hi i stole it it's me i stole your thunder just like Bristol you did one. i did steal yeah. your thunder i was actually going to see if you were going to carry that train forward you know so it, it's okay mm-hmm. choo choo speaking of trains no <laughs> Saul, are you telling me right now that you don't want me, you, and Chris to run a train on Mega Man Battle Network? Oh, I'm going to play collection? <clears throat> the mess out of Me- uh, Mega Man. Mega Man. The biggest question I have, and I know that this, we're technically spoiling news, but cat's out of the bag. Cat, <laughs> uh, in this case, being Cat Network Cable. Um, it is whether or not the multiplayer is going to be intact for those games, which I assume it has to actually, be. I actually never played the multiplayer except for yeah, a couple of times. Didn't know that was a thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. That's the, like the playing about, Pokemon and having never traded a Pokemon. <laughs> thing about Battle Network for me, which is funny, is I don't remember playing it. I just remember like screenshots in my mind of it. But I saw this and got very excited. <laughs> That's, I mean... It's been I don't so know long. I remember that. playing it on Game Boy SP. I don't think yeah. that I played. I don't think that they ever made one for DS, did they? I don't think so. I actually don't remember. I know they were all Game Boy Advance games. That's what I thought too. They were like those games where they kept pumping them out in that weird time where everything had to have two versions as well. So, but that's okay. We'll get into that. Uh, if you're new to the show, first of all, welcome. Uh, this is a weekly gaming podcast most of the time uh, where we look at gaming through the lens of being primarily PlayStation fans, but we, of course, play a little bit of everything. So everyone's welcome to listen and share their opinion. Uh, definitely when we do things like the community's take where we reach out to the community and get y'all's thoughts on different things. Uh, this week's is pretty interesting, so we'll get into that here in a little bit, but we like to start this show off in a pretty time-honored way 
uh, of just checking in on each other, seeing what we've been playing, what we haven't been playing, so that we get an idea of uh, what each other's been doing, and you, of course, get an idea of what we've been doing, and maybe, just maybe, we can find out some uh, pretty interesting games that maybe we would have missed otherwise if it wasn't for the three of us talking about them. So, Chris, uh, I'm going to skew off of you because Saul's back here. Saul, what you been playing, if anything? Because I know you had a, big, a busy week. Yeah, uh, I still made some time for video games. <clears throat> Not many. Um, I got to play uh, some Master Duel in the hotel room. I got to Gold nice. 1 on that. Um, for those that want to know that information. Um, I got oh, to Gold got 1. Oh, you got Gold. Okay, nice. Yes. So I'm only like a little bit away from Platinum. And then <clears throat> um, I played Resident Evil 4 on my Switch. And I have Yeast Origins, but I never started Yeast Origins, even though I've played it before on the Vita. Um, and it's a really good game. I was kind of hoping that you started it, because I don't know if you remember, mm. I started Yeast Origin, and almost, I think I beat it, as weird as that is. I should have been doing anything else because we were on vacation. But I bought, played, and beat Yeast Origin the entire time we were in San Francisco, me and Hannah. So it would have been great for you to have left and then uh, started playing some East Origin. It's a great game if you haven't played it. It is a it great game. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, I played, I'm like halfway through Resident Evil 4. Probably, yeah, probably right, right around halfway through. Um, and yeah, that's kind of been it. Um, since I have left, though, I, I did do one thing that I haven't done in a long, long time. And I got a platinum. <laughs> I got a platinum for Elden Ring. Uh, <laughs> which you did. I did kind of by an accident. I, I I remember somebody said how easy the trophies were to get in Elden Ring. So I was like, I was playing one day. And I'm like, how easy are the trophies? Because I think my my dashboard or whatever said I was at like, I don't know, 87%. And I looked at it. I'm like, I really kind of am really close to getting these. They're not really annoying. They don't require, you know, they require multiple playthroughs. But the way I've played the game, I've already kind of done that for the endings. Uh, and there's only three endings in this game. Um and they're not really that hard to obtain at all. Um, so all I had to do was beat the game once and pick up certain items along the way. And that's literally it. You don't have to do anything in New Game Plus that's different. Like It's literally just... It, it's it's a really good platinum, in my opinion. And I picked that up. Nice. nice. So, Congratulations. Yeah. I was laughing, saying, like, this is going to be Saul's return back to being a trophy-addicted person. <laughs> no. Like, you get the rush of a platinum, and Saul's, like, suddenly buying uh, like a crack uh, every Rattalaka game. It's like, I love My Name is Mayo. <laughs> I love it. Saul, you have My Name is Mayo's plat, don't you? I do. My man. <laughs> I thought so. You're not going to finish the trilogy? You got to get the whole series. I keep forgetting that the, the whole series is a thing. Yeah, there's three. The third one just came out. I mean, I don't know that. Are, are there three? Dude, There's only the, one. The fact that that idea has been stretched to three games at this point, it's kind of, it's not even like a begrudging. It's just respect. <laughs> I'm just saying, my name is Mayo 2. People on keep buying it. So I needed mm. the sequel. <laughs> I still want a thing where it's essentially a story about whether or not. Like it's a it's a drama about the Mayo not knowing who his father is and all these different things. Like there's all sorts of ways you can they play this. They should do it out. real meta, and it like is the AI, the AI be, or the Mayo bottle becomes sentient as you tap it, and then the game just becomes like Cyberpunk 2077. That's what I would like. <laughs> 
I want one that's essentially Doki Doki, where the more that you play it, it starts yes. to break the fourth wall and talk to you as it gains yes. consciousness. And then it starts being like, I know that you've brought me to this point. <laughs> exactly. He starts to go crazy. Yeah. I'm super in. I mean, honestly, at that point, I would break my rule of not buying My Name is Mayo games and I would buy it. You'd have to. And first off, you should. You don't have to buy them. You already have access to them for free. Play them. But I didn't experience the money. story. That's all that matters. I'm not telling you to spend the money. I'm telling you to play the game. You're telling you me to hold, spend the time. And time you got to hold your Vita and your Dual Sense in the same hand. You could do this while catching up on the boys. Put on the boys, <laughs> switch the input, and just tap, and you'll get it. Is my name is Mayo Two also on Vita? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think three is because I'm pretty sure the Vita Vita's cut off close, was like yeah. a few months. Yeah, um, but who? It's probably not going to happen. I don't want to muddy my list up with that. Oh yeah, my, my list is too pure. You know what I mean? Uh huh. No, I don't. I understand. I understand. Keep that it's in mind next time we do though. a because what was that? Trophy race. What was that game? Uh, what coffin dodgers? Most of the games I really enjoyed, not coffin dodgers. Coffin dodgers was not an easy. Like it, it, it wasn't a hard platinum, but yeah. it wasn't like the game where you just run across the road, which is the one I was talking about. Oh that yeah, you yeah, yeah. Uh, road bustle. That game sucks. <laughs> that game sucked. It sucked. It was to the point where like literally trying the game got me the platinum. I didn't even. I didn't even try. I just played <laughs> you the going, game. Yeah, it's, it was one <laughs> and, of my quickest like, platinums. It, you were like, oh, it's really easy. And I was like, oh, I'm going to try this game to see if it's even worth platinuming. And before I knew it, I had the platinum. Yeah. And I was like, what? This game blows ass. <laughs> and I just got the platinum. <laughs> you still got to play so, uh, Pizza Delivery Boy Who Saved the World. So do you, Saul. That game is awesome. It sounds very cool, e- actually. Very easy platinum, but it's so funny. The writing is so good, but in a bad way, if that makes sense. As long as it's aware of itself and kind of going along, I don't care. I'm not playing that for the platinum. I'll get Dude, it. It's a multiverse I'm, story. I'm, I am, I am playing that for the game. At that point, you, that yeah, is entirely. I would play that. I'd play that on Switch. Now, of course, since it's not only on Switch, I'll play it on PlayStation. Now, what I do need to get, Chris, I know one thing you've been playing because I saw you get the platinum for it. Oh unpacking, yes. and I really need to play that because I've you been really wanting to play, play unpacking. So you know what? Let's just scooch over to you. What you've been up to? <laughs> well, I finished the platinum in unpacking. That game is very good. Got a little tedious towards the end. Some of the houses are really big as the person's life continues, but that's cool. It mm-hmm. was a great game. Um, the trophies are pretty easy. It was one of those kind of like Mass Effect Three where I booted unpacking to just finish it, and it took me. St- six minutes <laughs> i was like right at the end of the platinum and just hadn't done it um, oh yeah is mm-hmm, it a so guide or is it a platinum where you felt like you had to have the guide or is it kind of a you're going to get it from playing it you would have to know what the trophies are i think because some of the trophies like are very specific like the level wouldn't finish if you did the trophy if that makes sense like some of them are like there's one that's like make a tower out of the baby blocks but if you leave baby blocks on the floor the game will not pass you to the next level so you wouldn't do it that way if that makes sense yeah i got you yeah okay but, no it's, well, it's good. i'll look at it it doesn't seem like it's because i mean i know that the game is kind of telling a weird story but it doesn't seem like any of the trophies would be spoilery instead it would kind of do the uh a way out style where it's like all the trophies are just like random extra crap that you do within the levels that you're playing that have nothing to yeah. do with the story no one of them like, was like my favorite good 
do a math equation on the fridge with magnets, you know? There's no spoiler no. with that. It's just one plus two equals three. Yeah. Well, see, I like that. Uh, first of all, does it, <clears throat> does it check to make sure that the, the equation's actually right? Because I hope I don't so. know. I, I don't think there's any letters or numbers other than one plus two equals three. Yeah. Well, either way, uh, what I thought, and I think that's cool here, but definitely in a game that's way more story-driven, like A Way Out, mm. uh, that's more cinematically, you know, more traditional story-driven in the sense that it plays out like that, yeah. is that you get virtually, you can play that game without unlocking a single trophy. Mm-hmm. You could. If you just don't do the stuff. And that's kind of a bold move because, you know, you, we're kind of to that point where trophies... T- are kind of like mindless to a degree where you're going to get like a third of the trophies in most games from just beating the game. They're like, you beat chapter five, you get a <laughs> bronze trophy. It's like, okay. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't do anything but play the game, but I think it's that trying to tap into the serotonin thing where it's like, if we give him a trophy, it'll keep him more invested in the game. It's that weird sense of reward where he's kind of like, Oh look, I, I didn't even have to do anything. That, that felt pretty good. <laughs> oh, Hey, yeah. No, um, let's see. So unpacking. Uh, I've been playing a lot of uh, Nintendo Switch Sports. The game is really good, very fun. Best story um, of the week. You had to go shit. Oh. You just took your Switch into the bathroom <laughs> and won yeah. the bowling game. Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, so when I realized that was when I realized the design philosophy behind the Switch. Is I had to adjust my body so I could throw a bowling ball while I was <laughs> dropping a deuce. <laughs> I have to think about the fact that I hope that after you won, I don't know, there's all sorts of things about the fact that there's like touching of the console. <laughs> like, it's the same problem of people being on their phones while they're in the toilet. Like, I'm like, I get it, but please do not like wipe and then immediately pick your phone up without like washing your hands. Like at some no, point, whenever it's time to get your business done, you set the phone down, you do the dirty business that you got to do. Then you get up, you wash your hands. Then you pick your phone up because I finished the, the bowling game before, or I s- continued sitting on the toilet after I was done using it to finish the bowling game. So I could put my switch away, clean myself up and then go Be play careful. more bowling. On Be the careful. Always, I have to tell everyone Hemorrhoids real. Be <laughs> very careful about spending too much time extra on the bowl when there's no need to. I tell my daughter right now because I had them once and they weren't too severe. And I let and I had one bad day at work, man, where it was when I still worked out in the warehouse and I had diarrhea the whole day. And by the end of that day, I kind of was like, something's up. I spent too much time on the toilet today. Something's up. And the next day, it was like, oh, something's really up. It's not an ongoing thing for me, thankfully. But I'll tell my daughter sometimes. Like, I'll walk in the other day. She's like, she was like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And then I was like, where's Kyrie? Like, seven minutes had gone by. And I looked, and she's just sitting in the bathroom on her phone. And I was like, are you done? She's like, yeah. I said, get up. <laughs> Put your phone down. Get up. You can fuck around on your phone elsewhere. You don't have to be on the toilet to do that. Yeah. You know, I feel bad. The reason that most adults do that is because they hate their jobs and they're just like, I'm going to go take a 10 minute toilet break at work. Yeah. The first two minutes I'll pee and then the, the, or poop. And the next time I'm just going to screw around on the phone. Dude, I've had times at work where I've gone to use the urinal and I've finished peeing, clean my hands, and been like, I think I'm going to stay in here a little bit longer. And I just go into a stall. 
and then I'm in there for another five minutes, and then I go back to work. Hope my yeah. boss doesn't listen to this show. I mean, <laughs> I don't do that at work. Um, what's that old dumb saying? Uh, anyway, I've boss also gets a dollar, been... I get a dime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what else have you been playing, Chris? Nothing. The only thing that I've honestly most of this week has been MLB 22, the show. I have been very stuck. Yeah. Well, I was going for a certain card, which required me to play 300 innings. And I, would I gra- call you. <laughs> I, I would say that you're ridiculous for doing that. But considering that while we were on my vacation for my birthday, I bought like seven packs of Yu-Gi-Oh cards. I have zero room to talk. <laughs> well, you didn't sit since for till so the last day. I was like fifty innings off. It was about six games. So I would play a game in the in the morning, do something else, play another game. It took all day, and by the last game, I was like, "Oh, I don't want to do this." And then of course, I unlocked the card, and I'm like, "Well, I got to try them." So then I played another game. <laughs> but yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with that will be the show. But a lot of it is because I've been very bored with other games. I haven't found anything that's really held me. Um, Shredder's Revenge, which I didn't talk about last week, is one that I did play, and I haven't gone back to it since last week, even though I really like it. <laughs> Well, I gotta say, um, uh, Bailey Robertson uh, joined the Discord not too long ago. Uh, he's normally one who interacts with us on um, Bailey on the uh, Facebook page. Damn. <laughs> anyway, he joined. Um, finally, made him one. And if I'm thinking correctly, I know he he did join. I know that a lot of people are you know back and forth on what they're doing. Yeah, R. Robertson. Uh, anyway, point being, he joined the discord and posted a picture of his platinum for it and i remember that i was talking to you and you were saying that the platinum was just kind of tedious so i was, well, I was like damn look he did it <laughs> it's not i don't know if it's tedious i think it just kind of depends on how much you like beat em ups like i like them enough to do a level and then play something else and when the game is 16 levels long you're like ah, this feels kind of like a lot you know yeah, I mean, I could see that. It's just it ends up becoming a slower burn. But you're right. I mean, yeah. I as somebody who doesn't really normally like beat em ups, I honestly don't think if there's even an example of one that I've liked enough to ever beat. Um, I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Um, Dragon's Crown's the one that looks interesting to me. Yeah, and I've always had a like, do I consider that a beat em up or not? And I, does does it consider itself a beat em up? I thought Isn't it was an it, RPG with beat em up mechanics. Probably. Let's see. It says it's a beat 'em up action role playing game. So yeah, that sounds like it's basically a mesh of the two genres. Kind of like that. Uh, what's that delivery service game where it's like a, it's like a Metroidvania but a pinball game. Uh oh, I know what you're talking about, but I don't know what it's called. That's it's something like it's oh, uh, it's uh, Yoku's Island Express. Yes. And you're like a cricket or whatever, some kind of animal that can roll up into a ball. And it's essentially like playing Sonic Spinball. You remember how you could like control Sonic and then go into the stage and basically it was a pinball stage. It's a little different, but it uses those same ideas, but it's a Metroidvania. And you're like delivering people packages. (laughs) I don't know, but it looks really good. But point being is it's two genres that you wouldn't think of going together that kind of come together. So there's that, I suppose. Um but yeah, um, so you know, 
Saul kind of mentioned it as well. And I've kind of been in that same state as we've been talking about on the show, but this state of like, for the most part being disenchanted with gaming to a degree right now. And I think Saul, I'm curious if, if you'd agree with this. So it sounds like maybe yours is a little more like you've been burned out and just in more general, but most of the gaming I've been wanting to do or have been doing has just not been for the most part, triple a gaming if that's like kind of the best way i can describe it i guess is like i don't feel like there's been a big game of any sort any kind of big notable published game that has really grabbed my attention as of late and i feel like the things that are grabbing my attention have been like wolverine a very old ps3 game infamous a very old ps3 game mm-hmm. uh some stuff on the switch as i'm playing uh pokemon legends rcs which is essentially a triple a nintendo game but still different enough that (laughs) yeah exactly so when you're rolling off of that it's like everything i've been interested in is not what i thought i would be playing at this particular time like i've been playing games but nothing that's new has really been like overtly interesting to me almost everything i've been wanting to play has got some degree of age to it now pokemon's relatively new i struggle to call pokemon dated or older at all it's within the last six months um that it came out so but i've been playing that um and i saw uh, saw it today uh, my daughter was wanting um to play her switch light again and i had been having her switch light that i bought her for christmas two years ago hardly <laughs> anybody in the house played it my wife has my original switch uh and she plays it some i don't really like it I think that the build quality on the original Switch is really rough. Uh, I think it feels bad. Battery life's not good enough. All sorts of problems. I think the screens on both of them are issues, but at least the Switch Lite has more reason to have (laughs) its stuff. But anyway, I ended up buying the uh, Switch OLED. And the first thing I got to say is I agree with Blake, who I know was talking about recently getting one as well. And that's actually, Blake, you're the reason I even went the extra mile. I was like, you know what? I'm enjoying Pokemon right now, which is already a surprise. Let me just lean into it, get this better switch, spend the money, even though I have a very high feeling that within the next year or two, we're going to see it the Switch's successor. We'll see, but it seems highly likely. Um, but the the build quality on the Switch OLED is everything that the Switch should have been. It's got an actual usable kickstand along the entire back of the system. It's got exhaust vents directly under that. The system doesn't get hot at all. It doesn't creak when you kind of apply pressure to the uh, to the Joy Cons. It doesn't feel like a plastic toy. The screen is a lot more vibrant. It's not quite as vibrant and colorful and and contrasty as the Vita's OLED uh, for the original Vita model. But it's closer and it's good. It is a little surprising to me that considering new OLED technology, the original my original Vita screen looks better. But the one the one downside of the original Vita screen is that when the screen went full black, you could see like weird what looked like paint strokes almost because of the way that the screen handled blacks. But mm-hmm. everything else, the the Vita screen looks better. Um, but I'm not even trying to smack on Nintendo for that. Honestly, the only problem I have with the OLED is. It's 350. But as we've mm. talked, uh, Chris, in personal, they're charging 350 because they know they can. Right. That's There's no reason, reason in my head that that shouldn't have just become a $300 switch and the original switch model got replaced by the OLED and it's the switch OLED and the switch light. That's what I feel like it should have become. But they're like, yeah, we could probably eke another $50 out of these people. And uh, they did. <laughs> they did. For me and Blake at the very least. So. And me, I have one too. 
honestly, dude, I enjoy it. It makes me want to play the Switch more. Yeah, I wouldn't have upgraded if my Switch hadn't gotten stolen out of my car. I don't know if you remember <laughs> that story, but I do, I do remember that story. Yeah, did I ever tell yeah. you that there was a resolution of that story? In a way, no, I don't think so. Oh, the did guy you who, find stole out who stole my, it. No, but the guy who who stole my Switch bought NBA Two K Twenty One. You did tell me, and then the second he did that, I just got I just shut down the account. That was pretty nice. <laughs> like, really, Two K on Switch is what you're buying. With my money, buy something good. Well, you know. Oh, wait, he you already had all the good games because you stole my Switch and all the games I had for it, <laughs> you dickhead. <laughs> I'll tell you, I told my daughter that if she doesn't end up playing the Switch like she didn't last time, she's a little older, she's seven now, so she yeah. can read better, and I feel like that helps because she liked oh, Animal does. Crossing before, uh, but Pokemon was a bit too much for her to really understand the Let's Go Eevee that I got for her. Um, but I told her, I was like, I'm going to give you a few weeks of seeing if you're actually actively playing. I said, if you're not, I'm going to sell the Switch. <laughs> it's like, if you're not using it, I-, I will sell every Switch in this house besides mine if I have to. Because they're <laughs> mine. I paid for them. Um, I probably won't do that to the other one. My, my wife did buy uh, Joy-Con replacements that are like ombre where they go from like a uh, cyan color down to like a purplish color. They look cool. nice. And she spent the time learning. She took apart the Joy-Cons and reassembled them together on her own. I'm, I'm proud of her. I kind of feel like I can't be a dick and undo that work. By selling it. <laughs> hey, great job. Really proud of you. It's going to douche, douche master 69 on a uh, good in, indeed or whatever. I don't know where the fuck yeah. I was going with that joke. Sorry. But I've got a, a number of things to sell. So I was like, if it comes down to it, I'll sell and just remake, like make up the money I spent on the Switch OLED by selling all these other Switches that we don't play. <laughs> um, so is what it is. But um, I've been enjoying that. I think uh, Pokemon has been a big surprise for me because, like I said, when I'm kind of disconnected from gaming in a weird way, I just beat Pokemon today, uh, Legends Arceus. Now I rolled credits. Now Legends Arceus does something that I think is really good in that it rolls the credits before players like before certain players may just give up because they're tired of the game but it has in-game stuff that really feels like it's more part of the actual story that is completely optional but you get to go through and run through playing it and i think the game does a good job of setting up you wanting to do that but if you roll credits you still get a feeling of finality with the game now my and I feel like most Pokemon games, the story becomes just go try and find whatever legendaries you can out in the wild. But I feel like the games don't really ever give you a reason for that. This game is like, hey, the actual goal of this game is always to complete the Pokedex. So we're right back on that. And, oh, you want to get to Arceus, the namesake of the game? Well, instead of us giving him to you in the story like all the other Pokemon games do, you're going to have to work past the credits to build up to the point where you can finally come up and interfere with Arceus. And... I'm doing that right now. So the real test for Pokemon is going to be whether or not after the credits roll, it can keep me all the way to the uh, the actual end game. And looks like right now it will. So I'm, I'm excited for that. Having the OLED Switch, I'm probably going to finally play Monster Hunter Rise, which I bought the day it came out. <laughs> I've not played <laughs> at all. Uh, I'm definitely more willing to do that on the better looking and better feeling Switch um, OLED. So... That's kind of where I'm at. I really haven't played anything else. I've been doing so much remodeling work, and Chris and I have been working on a personal project. It's just kind of been this thing where I haven't had a lot of time. Now, I did watch Kenobi, two episodes, four, four episodes now. Um, and basically with the time I've had, part of why Pokemon's been getting played is I've had that ability to play it while watching TV. 
So I'll be like, watch How I Met Your Mother and play Switch at the end of the day. Or that way I can like hang out with my wife and kind of play a game without being too embedded in it. So that's been a big help. And uh, kind of like you, Chris, you are finally understanding the purpose of the Switch. <laughs> that's really how I, how I treated most uh, handheld consoles. But it's nice to have a game that's pulling my attention in that direction. So, uh, question for each of you: What do you think is the actual next game coming out? Like, not take Mega Man Collection out of the running since it's kind of like a re-release. What's the next new title that you feel like is on your radar as something that you think is actually going to pull your attention? Near Automata, the year, the end of your for the Switch. Did they announce it for Switch? Yes, they did. Oh, cool. Was that one of the things today? I didn't get to watch the whole thing. I kind of watched the update. I, on it, I, I literally learned of this like 10 seconds ago. <laughs> um, nice. You get to play the best game of last generation. Yes. One <laughs> <of them. laughs> this man. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Hey, Chris. <clears throat> see if this wording sounds familiar. You get to play. Hey, Saul, you get to play the single best video game ever created. It definitely sounds familiar when you're talking about the right game. <laughs> about Red Dead Redemption uh, we'll get into that oh. yeah Red Dead Redemption exactly yeah dude it's coming uh, to Switch I would love cloud. to see that I would buy it just to see how bad it looks Panic Room the people I'm pretty sure that's who did The Witcher 3 no it might have been Saber I can't remember whoever did uh, The Witcher 3 ports Red Dead to the Switch they wouldn't <laughs> yeah, even right. the problem with the Switch having cloud options is that nobody has any reason to want to port directly to the Switch anymore. We can just go, oh, we could just sell it on the cloud and make a little bit of money while we play the game somewhere else. Okay, yeah, we'll do that. But we'll see how it ends up being. Uh so stray for you, Chris, right? Yeah. I'm and that's praying next stray. month, right? July. Uh, yeah, July eighteenth or something like that. Dude, I, I have such high hope that that game is good. Uh, it looks so awesome. It, it looks so awesome. awesome. Free yeah. with PS Plus oh. Essential or higher? No, extra or higher. Yes, yeah. I'm I'm ready to see what it ends up coming out to be. Uh, I would have bought the game, no problem. Me too. It's nice to get it for free as part of something. Uh, so my hope is that it's kind of like Bucksnacks, where Bucksnacks went PS Plus day one and was actually a fantastic game. Um, so that's, that's my big hope. Bucksnacks was like my smash surprise of the year because I was like, it looks good and cute, but then it ended up being a game that I adored. Yeah. Uh, so, Saul, near time on the side, do you have a different answer, or is it literally just your excitement to replay something you've already played before? Um, <laughs> honestly, I don't have any games upcoming that I'm excited for. Um, that are close enough to, to warrant mention? Yeah, not at least off the top of my head. But that kind of goes into the whole thing of, like, I've been disconnected from gaming for a little bit. So it's almost like... Um, it's almost like I know what's coming out towards the end of the year and stuff I'm excited for for next year, but in the immediate future, um, Mega Man Batman Network. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you land on something that I've kind of been going through with this show. Almost every episode, I feel like I mentioned replaying a PS4 game. That I've already beaten. Or a PS3 And that's game. a weird place to be. You know, like, yeah, exactly. Like, all I'm doing right now, for the most part, outside of Pokemon, is just re experiencing games I already knew I loved. Wolverine is something that was new for me, to be fair. Uh, so that's kind of like a, a new frontier on an old console kind of idea. But for the most part, I've been kind of like, I'm going to replay Cyberpunk. And I just, I've been kind of at war with myself where I plan to do these games. 
but I can't bring myself to replay these games because I'm like, I've already played these and there's other stuff to play that I've said I wanted to play. And even though it's not immediately in my mind, I'm kind of like, why replay Cyberpunk when I haven't played um, League of Legends, The Ruined King? Why play, you know, why play this when I haven't played like Hollow Knight? I've never gotten the secret ending. Why not actually do something like Hollow Knight? I don't have the platinum in. It's kind of hard to be like, I want to replay Days Gone, a game I've done literally everything in. Oh, I'm going to replay God of War, a game I've done everything in. It's kind of like I have other things I could be doing that are that are newer games, and I don't know. I'm trying to really give the Switch a run for its uh, an opportunity for a for a system I've kind of consistently crapped on. I'm kind of hoping I can change my opinion on that system. Well, if you play Monster Hunter Rise. Right. Or when you do start playing it, I'll play it along with you. Okay. Nice. Because that I mean, is, is a pretty multiplayer friendly in the same way that World is. Yes. Cool. I'm good with that. It's phenomenal. Okay. Hey, Chris, you want to play Monster Hunter Rise? No. <laughs> Out of curiosity, what is, you your, what, is, what is your favorite game of last year, Chris? Uh, oh, Persona 5 Royal. Followed closely by Days Gone, and then even yeah. more closely by Death Stranding. Yeah, but well, I love Days Gone, but I wouldn't say followed closely. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. I mean, Days Gone is way better than Persona Five. <laughs> I know I just made someone so mad for a game I've never played. I don't mean it. Dude, one me of my favorite, Chris. Chris, I don't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite comments that I saw on the, um, I was browsing my f- homepage on Reddit today, and that's where I saw that Persona got announced for the Switch, and uh, the top comment of that Reddit thread was, uh, "These Persona fans can finally play Persona." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, we'll see what ends up coming. I think. Uh, there's not like an immediate game that comes to mind, but it's like Crisis Core, I'm like so stoked to replay. And I replayed it last year, but I will play that game again in a heartbeat. Um, so I don't want to immediately go to that. On Switch, since I am playing Switch, um, it depends on whether or not Rune Factory 5 is this year, which I think it is. It may have already come out. Um, it did come out in March of this year. I completely it did. didn't play yeah. Factory 5. I, I, it's been on my back burner <laughs> list for a while now. Oh, I know why. I was waiting for it to come to PlayStation. That's what it was. Because I was like, Rune Factory 4 Special Edition hit PlayStation. So surely this will sooner rather than later. Um, I do remember that. But in reference to a game like that, one of the new games that was shown off today is is probably one of the next games that I'm kind of like, that looks cool and new and interesting. Because uh, Tribes of Midgard was actually like my obsession for a while and something new and different, but it's not AAA. And even by then, it was had been going already for a single season. So some months behind. Uh, but I think before we hop into the news, we're going to go ahead and jump into the community's take, which Chris came in clutch and remembered to post since I have been uh, barely functioning. So, Chris, thanks, buddy. Oh, you're welcome. 
If you want to be part of the community's take and answer just like all of these people here did, remember that you can go and find us on social media at Twitter. Uh, you can find us at Triangle SQRD over there. You can find us on Facebook and a group called Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. Asked to be answered in there. We'll gladly have you. Or you can click down into the description of this episode, be it on YouTube, where you can watch this show, or uh, where the majority of you guys enjoy the show on podcast services, and click the link to the Discord, where you can join the discussion and uh, be part of our day-to-day conversations if you choose to, much like Bailey Robertson chose to do. Um, but also, while happen to have you here, remember that if you love the show and you want to support it, two things you can do to help us. If you're on YouTube, like the video and subscribe. Share it with anyone that you think might like it or just share it in general and let people wonder upon it and see if they end up coming to it and enjoying it. If you're on podcast services that allow you to rate the show, please take the time. If you don't mind, give us a rating. Let people know what you like about the show so that we can get some more fresh faces in. We always like having new people and new thought processes come along so that the, uh, definitely for the community's sake, so we can have more interesting conversations. Uh, lastly, the second way that you can support us is by going to patreon.com slash nartech and giving as little as a dollar per month, if not more, if you feel so inclined, uh, to go the step above just giving us your time, which, as I said earlier, time is more valuable than money. Uh, <laughs> so I wholly believe in that. Uh, But sadly, time doesn't pay for all the things that we have to do for the show. So for those of you who feel inclined, we appreciate the extra support. Uh, But going into the community's take, uh, the question this week was, what do you think needs to change in the games industry? Be as positive or negative as you'd like. Rip the entire thing down if you must. And with that, you get a lot of answers. (laughs) One of our patrons, uh, Mark Schutz, says, digital prices being an absolute ripoff. Why am I being charged more for a download of a game than I am for a physical copy? Now, one thing to note before I continue, he is in uh, the UK or somewhere within Europe. Uh, this is not really an issue in the United States where we are located, but we can sympathize with the position. Just throwing that out there for anybody who's listening and may not understand what he's where he's coming from, but... Uh, he says, and with physical, I can sell it and he can move on because he mentions that there's no product to manufacture, no shipping costs, no profit for a retailer to account for. So why would he pay more? I think he's even arguing why wouldn't he even play maybe a little bit less, um, which is definitely a big thing for me. Uh, and Chris, I've, I've mentioned plenty of times that if it wasn't for the fact that we game share, mm-hmm. I would do as I've done for years prior and buy strictly physical games. Uh, but it's easier for me to do this digital purchase when I know it's not really my money on the line. So it's not so big of a deal. Uh, but for people who do have their money on the line, you and Saul are both people who have really kind of dedicated to the all digital. So two questions. If you were in a situation in the U.S. where digital games were often more money uh, than their physical counterpart, do you think you'd go all digital? And uh, secondarily, do either of you think that digital games need to be cheaper because of the fact that there is no actual uh, physical product involved and none of the costs that come with making that physical product? Uh, Chris, what do you think? I mean, no, right? Like, because you're talking about relationships and you're talking about value. Those are two important things to maintain. But physical is cheaper than digital. So, like, I almost yep. think this Here it is. is the opposite. 
I mean, you can you can order an, a discounted Amazon thing off another country's website. So I mean, it, the principle probably is about the same. You know that when Amazon does this, Amazon, I I get cheaper games off Amazon most of the time. Half the reason I have a uh, disc. Oh, okay, PS5. sorry. You're saying from a physical standpoint, right? Yeah, I'm saying that physical ends up being less expensive than digital anyway. Um, hmm? You know, I think this argument kind of falls by the wayside when people are willing to pay a switch tax. It's the same thing. You're paying a, I don't have to get up from the couch and change the disc tax. You're paying for Sony's relationship with Walmart at that point. And then you're paying just for the value of the product, right? Like if you could, the value of God of War changes if I can buy it for 30 bucks digital or 60 physical. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think that's an important thing to maintain. That's brand yeah. value, you know? Sure. Would be Solid nice. I'd that. love that, but. No, I agree. Um, it, especially with what he said about like switch tax. Um, I will pay a premium to be able to watch TV and sit on my couch while I play a game. Uh, even if it's a game I paid for before. The same goes for like I will pay a premium if I could play this game uh, on my PS5, and even though I've played it on my uh, PS4 or you know digitally, um, I'll pay for the fact that I don't have to get up and go buy it. I'll pay for the fact that uh, like like with us, you know, we we stood in line to go get Spider Man, and I came home only to install the game the same as if I would to download it almost, and it took just the same amount of time, and the only thing there. That made it any like you know, kind of a memorial, memorial, uh, memorable uh, experience was the fact there was a midnight launch with friends, which I could have gone and still bought the game digitally, had it installed on my console and just went for the fun. Um, yeah, true. So it's it's this weird you know <clears throat> thing of like um, convenience, but I will say that um, with that convenience. I typically end up waiting for sales anyways. So like I don't it's really rare for me to buy a game on launch at least lately. Um and when I do it's a game that I know I'm going to enjoy and spend time into so it's already worth the $60 for me. And if it's a game where I have any doubt in my mind if I'm going to enjoy it or not, I get it at 40 or 50 or 30. I get it at a discounted price, um, whether it's digital or not, because it's always going to be digital with me. Well, and it kind of sounds in, in an interesting way. You're kind of coming back to what I've already said a few times, even though it's a different conversation. But this idea about time being ultimately more valuable than money and that while you may be spending the same amount or in, in the case of uh, Mark, potentially more, it's, and again, it's easier pill for us to swallow because it's not typically more on launch at the very least, right? If you're making the decision on day one, you're typically not going to find the game digitally for more expensive than the physical version. But you're what you're saying is basically for the time that it would take for you to go to GameStop and go to these places and or wait for your copy to come in, whatever it be, you can save time by essentially buying, even if it's at the same price, uh, a game 
And then the time that you save over and over by not having to worry about where it is and locating it and keeping up with it. Speaking of which, I need to get Metroid Dread back from you. <laughs> yeah, you do. I have it in my Switch case. Uh, odd conversation, but yes, I I have the case and not the game, and I forgot right. about that. And I went through. I was like, oh, I can finally play Metroid Dread, uh, and maybe like it this time. But different conversation. Point being, though, is that you are willing to spend more money or at least the same amount of money for something that you may not technically own to the same degree because of the value that you find with something that's not actually monetarily based time. Um, which I think is is interesting. I definitely, I can understand why people end up in the decision to buy digital. And I would be lying to say that since I've started buying overwhelmingly digital with Chris um, and Chris and I game sharing, that there's not convenience. I mean, one of the conveniences is that Chris and I share games without him having to mail me a game from, (laughs) you know, Connecticut or me mail him a game from Texas, which is a benefit. But also the fact that I can just be like, okay, now I want to play this game and I don't have to get up and put a game in my system or do anything. I just go download it, do whatever I want to do, and then switch to it, to and from it. So there's all these weird ways where you get time back and convenience back. Um, So I can understand that. But I'm still, I guess this part of me, and I don't know that I... I don't even know if I want to call it materialistic, but I guess technically it's a form of materialism. I do like the idea of having genuine ownership over something. And I just don't think that digital offers that in the same way. So if, (sighs) if it was a completely uh, decision of my own and it impacted no one else and there wasn't some, you know, outer person for me to think about, I think 99% of the time I would stay physical. And the only time I would really stray from that would be a lot like whenever I uh, bought Mirror's Edge Catalyst for $5.99 on sale and adored it. Absolutely loved the game. Uh, And part of me wishes I would have bought it physical because I enjoy the game. Uh, But like that $6 versus going and finding and eventually it was free, but I bought it for $6. (laughs) Uh, You know, but you have the thing, it's like the $6 was probably worth, spending the $6 for the not real ownership was probably worth me trying to track down a used copy drive to the place, get it, pay more for it. Or even if I bought the same, I had to spend gas and time and energy to go do that. And at some point it becomes worth it. Yeah, exactly. There's all sorts of aspects. You run the risk of putting the disc in and the disc not working. How often do you have a a digital game not work? It's pretty, I don't think I've ever had that happen (laughs) outside of, you know, typical DRM related stuff, but. Well, and that, I think the thing is, the more I sit here, not to cut you off, but the more I sit here and think about the question, is it's kind of only relevant in the first like three weeks of the game's re- release, right? Like this is only a relevant question if you want God of War on release date. Yeah, because in three weeks there's going to be a sale where God of War is forty five dollars. Yep. So like, I kind of feel like what he's asking for is already happening. It's just not happening on release day. <laughs> yeah, which I mean, we live in a culture no matter where you are, partially because of the internet of fear of missing out. And I'm not even saying that Mark is necessarily describing that that's something he's feeling, but 
fear of missing out is followed very closely by just the feeling of like, with all of this, everything should be at my fingertips, but in a still somewhat fair way. So lamenting the fact that you're having to pay, in his case, a premium more for digital, despite the fact that there's inherently less physical value because of the way sure. that it is. And physical value is not even the word I'd use. It's 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 less ownership value. And then it just comes down to how much you really what does ownership mean to you? Is ownership in the sense that you've you have the access to a license that allows you to play a game? If if that's your okay of ownership, then that's cool. But for some people, they like the idea of, well, here's my license, but I can do with this license what I want. So like I've often been a proponent and said that my ideal digital situation would be that in the long run, Chris, you and I wouldn't even need to game share because essentially I could have my account and have my system set as my primary, you, yours. And then what we can do is when you're playing a game and you're done with it, and you're like, hey, this game was awesome. I think you'd enjoy it. You just send me your license and I borrow your license because you own it and you can let me borrow it. And you mm-hmm. can set how long I keep it, or I can you can do all sorts of things. I would that would be my ideal hybrid is to make it to where it's digital and it comes with all the benefits of digital, a lot less physical waste and a lot less waste of space within your house, but you still own it. Uh, but we just don't, and that's okay. I mean, it's something I'm willing to let go, but I can understand why people don't want to. But going back to the idea of urgency even without fear of missing out we're in a day and age where there's a feeling that you know like i should get to do the things i want when i want without being punished for it mm-hmm. and in this sense paying a premium does feel a little bit like i'm paying more than if i got a physical but you know as we've discussed there's a lot of ins and outs as to what makes that it's a very personal value test yeah. That's the best way I can say it. Uh, next thing he says, uh, there's a few people I think that kind of agreed with this, so we'll kind of lump all those together. Uh, he says, fanboyism needs to disappear. It's just sad and gives gamers a bad name. No wonder people outside of gaming still think it's a kid's thing when they see some of the comments about games and consoles. And uh, down further, awesome Dave 1337 one of our newer patrons. Thank you. He says, I just wish people would shut the hell up sometimes and let people enjoy what they do. No more console wars or fanboy malarkey. So definitely some uh, some love behind that. And I think over on the Facebook we had uh, one more uh, one more that was kind of mirroring that, or at least I know he carries that sentiment, which is uh, Blake Post. Um, oh, you don't see Go it. ahead, Chris. No, go I'm not going to do it. What? Nope. It's okay. I don't want to get in <laughs> the trouble. Ghost, the ghost of Blake Post. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, I know we know what we're really skirting around, and Blake knows what we're really skirting around. He's definitely a boy, and I just turned off my fan. Mm. Mm. So, uh, Mm. anyway, Chris, you want to grab some more off of the Facebook, or do you have it open? Ooh, I don't have it open, but I can go there. No, you go ahead. I'll I'll take over Facebook if you'll take over Discord. Sure, because there's some other ones in Discord. what I'll do right now, though, is go to the ghost of Blake Popes, and he says, unrealistic option, no more exclusives, realistic option, free online gaming, especially Xbox. Make free games free to play, you bastards. They still haven't yeah, done that. That's pretty bad. It's they, pretty they announced that they were going to, but it yeah, has I not think happened they yet. said they did. They were going to when they tried to raise the price of gold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, what a move. 
Oh, Philly what a boo. Philly Spencey. Oh, sorry, guys. We shouldn't have rose the price of gold. And also, we're going to take it back and we're going to make free-to-play games under the umbrella at a later date. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> Which leads... And this is technically a little bit of off thing, but it leads to something that we were talking about where some of the things that go on in the gaming industry are so weird because like people talk about like one of the things that was happening in the discord is I don't remember exactly how we got there, but we got to the topic about DRM being an issue on consoles and how they're dealt with and how Xbox kind of bungled that. Uh, And then there was this uh, thing where Mark and I think someone else was kind of saying that, they think, and I know some other people thought this too, that Sony was originally on board to also be no used games without buying a, a bummer license and all those different things. And that whenever it went down so bad for Microsoft, Sony had the uh, advantage of being able to see how bad it was and reverse decision before they went on stage. And the reason I don't think that's true is because of things like this. Xbox is acting like whether or not it's true or not, the decision to just be able to make free-to-play games work without being behind a paywall seems like something that you would imagine could just be a flip of a switch and suddenly it works, right? Or it doesn't work. And yet here we are months after and it's either not happened or it still couldn't happen that day. And my go-to excuse at the time or the go-to example that I was going to is there are still some little vestigial aspects of the Xbox One's DRM issues in the Xbox Series X. And people have faced issues with DRM on the Series X and S consoles because of hangovers from the Xbox One. And they reversed that decision five months before the system even came out. They reversed Mm -hmm. that decision before Xbox One ever existed. And yet day one, you had to plug your Xbox in, go online and turn your system into offline mode which required you to still have internet and that still exists to a degree. (laughs) So my point being is if Sony had made that decision, I think you'd have seen those same little vestigial tales of crap that they weren't able to fix in time. I don't Mm -hmm. think Sony had two options, but either way, what were you going to say, Chris? Uh, Free to play games do not require gold anymore. Just FYI. As of some date. Look it up yourself. Um, (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Um, So, I agree with that. Um, I don't know, man. April 21st. April 21st. Okay, cool. I think that we've kind of asked this question, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it again because we're in the vein of some newer listeners and the topic got brought up. He says, unrealistic option, no more exclusives. I don't know where exclusives are inherently in and of themselves a problem. I think there's more for me. I can see more problematic areas around timed exclusives from companies that are owned by the systems, but Pokemon being essentially made by Nintendo and partially owned by Nintendo, uh, even if it's developed by Game Freak and being an exclusive to their system, it doesn't bother me. I don't think that a game like Pokemon would have ever been made had it not been for Nintendo being like, yeah, we're going to do that as an exclusive. Let's go for it. So I don't know that I care about actual first party exclusives from first parties that were 
built up and partnered with over long periods that became exclusive. I think that the water gets a little muddier in modern times where people feel like Bethesda or Bethesda is a good example, but Microsoft is just buying up existing companies and existing games and making them suddenly exclusive. I can Mm -hmm. see how that's a little easier to be like, hey, that's BS and kind of dirty. But I don't see how Sony making the Gran Turismo team and being like, yeah, Gran Turismo is our game. And if you want to play it, you play it on PlayStation. I mean, even I don't see how that's an issue. Take Gran Turismo out of it. Even Spider-Man, they made it. (laughs) Yeah. Why would it be somewhere else? Yeah. And kind of weird, right? Because like at that time they didn't own Insomniac, but they were, Insomniac was essentially a de facto first party studio. For for all intents and purposes. Yeah. So, and now they are a first-party studio because that's how mm-hmm. that relationship works out. Um, so I don't know. I, I just I personally don't agree with that because I'm going to continue to extend that. I don't think games like Fire Emblem Three Houses exist without someone being like, hey, or let me say this. They don't exist at the quality level that they're at without a company being like, we're willing to potentially lose money to get an ex- exclusive on our system so that we can convince people to play our system over someone else's. Bayonetta 3 would not exist without Nintendo just being okay with losing a little bit on that title so that they can convince people to come get a Switch. Exactly. And I don't personally think that to be an issue. Saul, do you think that that's an issue at all? I mean, no, I can see what somebody would say of like uh, permanent exclusives not existing. Like with now, like we see companies kind of sharing exclusives after a period of time, like Spider Man going to PC and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But. Sure. Yeah, it's some brands need identity to a degree. That's that's actually the best way to word it. And I mean, it's kind of what I was getting at. But yeah, you're right. If exclusives didn't exist, then Mario doesn't... Mario is not synonymous with Nintendo necessarily. Yeah, and that's that's weird. That, Zelda's that not... Association, yeah, that association gets made with the with the console more than the people who produce it. Uh, you know, I mean, when people think about Call of Duty, there's plenty of people who don't even know that's Activision. Yeah, but if Call of Duty was a, was made by PlayStation and was always a first party game, you'd be like Call of Duty, bro. That's PlayStation, and that kind of did happen with the marketing deal. But yeah. yeah, I maybe this is a topic for another time. But I like exclusives, and but that's also because I don't inherently think fanboyism is a bad thing. I just think when it's obnoxious, that's I bad. agree with that statement one hundred percent. I think fanboys are the fanboys are the lifeblood of why consoles can work day one. If fanboys didn't exist, consoles would have to take forever for the casual audience to want to adapt to adopt them. And yeah. I think that there's a good thing to people being fervent, like oh, I'm I'm hyped for PS5 mm-hmm. versus the people who are going to buy a PS5 two years down the road. Yeah, I said it talking to you before, but like I think you're a fanboy. I am absolutely. Yeah, and I know. I that's am. why I make the joke. Blake is, like, he is. We all are. It just happens. So, like, but we're not obnoxious assholes, you know, tweeting at Phil Spencer to kill himself because he bought Bethesda. Right? That's a different level of of being an obnoxious fanboy. But I think just being like, like, like when when Sony buys a company, like an ind- as an industry shaking thing, I'm like, oh, that might not be great. But Sony buys Rockstar tomorrow, and I'm gonna be like. 
that's fucking sick. Hell yeah. Let's go. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's not a good thing for the industry, but I'm also going to know that the console that I play on all the time is going to have Grand Theft Auto exclusive or probably not Grand Theft Auto, but some Rockstar game is now a game that I get to play on my console and it has nothing to really do with someone else not being able to play it, but I know I can. And I know that that's going to get, that's just one more thing to get me hype at a Sony show where Xbox fan fanboys, when they bought Bethesda, that's like, let's go. The Xbox Bethesda show. Let's see it. All our games look like garbage. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, no, your, your point stands though. Yeah. Yeah. For people who are excited about those things. And that's a good way. It's kind of like what we talked about a few weeks ago with this idea of people seem for some reason uh, for online discourse for moments like this. And I'm not just to clarify, talking about anyone who brought up fanboyism in our in our response, but some people view this as like it's not okay for people to be selfish with their gaming, like for what they're happy about in gaming. And I think that's entirely okay to be selfish. Like I talked about a while back, I think that you can simultaneously be hyped that Sony bought Rockstar while also thinking that it may be a little worse for the industry as a whole that Sony bought Rockstar. Yeah, like, like I'm th- not. Gonna... Those don't have to be mutually exclusive ideas; they can exist together. Mm-hmm. We're, we're... I'll be open and honest with our audience here. Persona 5 coming to Xbox, I was like, that kind of sucks. And then I'm like, really glad they get to play it. But there was that part of me that's like, I liked having that on my team. You know what I mean? And in a way, I know yeah, that sounds sure. shitty. But again, it's just how you, you handle it. I look at my PlayStation well, that's as like, the investment that's like I made. saying that... <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. No, it's just I look at it as the investment I made and I have a game that I can only get here. And I think the thing that exclusives do to me is go, okay, I made the right decision, right? Like yes. adoring Persona yeah. 5 and Days Gone and Act Uncharted and The Last of Us 1. You know, having all of those and being like, I made the right choice buying my thing. I think that's why I like exclusives. I don't really care that someone on Xbox gets to get doesn't get to play it, but it was hilarious watching Mr. Batty plays beg for Persona for 15 years. That was funny to me. Like I don't know what else to say, but I'm again glad that more people get to experience the best game ever made. But there is that little no, bit I get of competitive. That's like. It's it's like saying that it would be wrong of you to be upset that your team didn't win the Super Bowl because somebody else yeah. is getting to do it. it. It's it's entirely okay for you to be like, yeah, I get that the other team got the Super Bowl and it's awesome that they get to revel, that their fans get to revel in the fact that they now get to be part of the Super Bowl thing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, for people who, you know, Patriots fans who had multiple Super Bowl wins in a row, row whenever that stopped being the case, I'm sure that there was kind of like a, it's cool that someone else gets to have that thing, but it was cool that for a while it was yeah, us to have that right. exclusively. Well, it, it's it like, is, it's, it's, it's like not saying that other people can't have fun playing the sport or doing the game, right. much like gaming. It's not that other people can't enjoy the game, but I think most people would be lying if they didn't feel like it is kind of cool when, like, when you yeah. have an ace in your sleeve that's only on the thing that you prefer the most. It's right. like, that's okay. cool. And that's the thing. That's why I say it's not a bad thing to be a fanboy. You know, people will use that argument. I own every console. Yeah. So, the, so do I. You know what? I, I lost my Switch. Where do for a I month spend eighty five percent of my time? Yeah. On one I, console. I, I Most bought, people do. I bought an Xbox day one, and I have never used it. My brother has had it since release. You know what I mean? That like, is one hundred percent true. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know I'm you know you you I could make the argument that I'm not, but I hundred percent am, hundred percent. Yeah. But it's just not a negative thing. Like yeah, and I like don't think, a, of course, not everyone is a, no. uh, not, not everyone is a fanboy 
But I think the vast majority of gamers are a fanboy to some degree. It's just like, what degree are you? And, you know, they mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, Awesome Dave here says fanboy malarkey. And I think that's the difference is that you can be right. a fanboy and not get caught up in the BS. Yeah. That's, uh, that's essentially what it is. Right, exactly. As long as you're not just being a dick about it. That's, I think, the thing. Yeah. We have to take back the word fanboy. That <laughs> we should make a Twitter tag. That like, um, we're going to have a hashtag campaign. Yeah, it's just it's the same as being a baseball fan. So there's only three teams. <laughs> yeah, that's all it is. And yeah, I, I I'm agree. happier I, I, when I the Red Sox win team. the World Series. But I was very happy when the Braves won the World Series last year. But I'd kill myself if the Yankees <sighs> win the World Series this year. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's see. What else do we have, Chris? You want to grab one off of the Discord? Discord. My mouse is turning back on. All right. Uh, the Lord Corgi says, Get one short, job, Chris. <laughs> short and simple. Less open world games, more curated experiences. Not every game needs to have an ultra huge map with hundreds of hours of content. Yep. I agree. Run tell that. I would agree, but I'm actually. That. I would add a word, and it would be not every game needs to have an ultra huge map with hundreds of hours of bad content. Because every game could have an ultra huge map with a hundred hours of good content. <laughs> but what, at some point, and I think that this might be the argument he's making, you're not wrong. the The quality of the content is ultimately king. Mm-hmm. But I would also argue that. Seven out of ten games that come out that have massive, big open worlds, the content is not the 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 amount of content and the quality of that amount nets you to a thing where all of the content, for the most part, suffers as a whole because Mm -hmm. of having so much unnecessary content. Where you could have a better overall content with less overall. It's the Um, Red Dead argument that I always make. Story's incredible, but the game sucks because it's too big. Into I'm gonna tell you right now. Simulation. I think I know that someone thinks otherwise. I think Red Dead Two is a much better game as a as a straight up linear dude. Red Dead Two, but as the Order 1886, basically where you're just moving through all of these areas, yes. it would be amazing. Yeah. I would, yeah, and I wouldn't have the frustration of feeling like I'm having to ride all these places that I don't care about. And yeah. see a prisoner come out and stop me on the road for the 18th time. Oh yeah. yeah, I'm supposed to believe that in the matter of five hours of playing, I've seen <laughs> the I've seen so many prisoners escape and need my help. The exact same way. It's, it's right. immersion breaking, and it's like, why are you even having an open world of this size if I can't even actually be really immersed in it? You know what it leads to? Mm-hmm. Have you ever noticed that you feel? I think we talked about this last week, but you feel more immersed sometimes in games that have incredibly tiny, technically not even open worlds. God of War 2018 is technically just a big hub, and I felt like that game was more open and more interesting than most open-world games I've played in the last three years. I agree. Horizon Forbidden West being one of them. <laughs> Couldn't even play it. Like, I enjoyed the game, but that world is pointless. It's pretty. Yeah. But I couldn't distinctively tell you very many locations on the map because there's only a handful, and the rest is just a big empty map for no real reason. The biggest problem with open world games is you can't balance them properly. If you could balance an open world game that every fight in the environment felt good, that would be cool. But it's impossible unless you level scale. And then level scaling is bad because then there's no sense of gaining power. So you can't make open world games interesting 100% of the time, which is the problem with open world games. The only open world game should be Spider-Man 2018. That's it. (laughs) Well... 
Look, Saw clearly just came off of Elden Ring, a game that is, of course, known to be the AAA big open world game that bucks the trend and finds a way to make an open world be interesting. Uh, Now, of course, I didn't play enough of it to have something strong to say about that, but do you feel... I don't even want to completely get there because he's saying that there just doesn't need to be as many of those games. Not that there can't be those games. But what about games like Elden Ring that kind of meet in the middle? Yeah. What's the place for those? Like, Saul, you, you clearly love Elden Ring. Do you, which is a weird question. Does there need to be more games like Elden Ring or does that start to take away from what made Elden Ring feel special? No, I think that's, (laughs) that's a weird argument. That takes away from what made Elden Ring special. So I don't think, I, I don't think, that Elden Ring was riding the hype train of open world game creation because o- open world games were big right now because uh, that's not how Miyazaki mm-hmm. typically works. I think that he just wanted to expand a sure. game in what he felt was a natural thing for the games he makes. Um, yeah, and because of that, and that alone is what made me enjoy that much game much better. Is because you could tell like there's there's a attention to detail and quality to that game. Versus something that is just open world to be open world for the sake of being open world. Um, well, Saul, so I think you'd agree because you you kind of mentioned it a second ago, I think, with Monster Hunter Rise. But something I said a second ago where sometimes worlds that aren't even open somehow feel more immersive and interesting than games that have wide open worlds. Kind of what you're talking about with like attention to detail and how they pull you into the world. For a game that technically isn't open world, I feel like Monster Hunter World is one of the best, like, most realized, interesting worlds that feels like I explored so much, despite the fact that it's really just a few hub areas. Yep, and that's kind of how Monster Hunter Rise is. Monster Hunter Rise is really, it does hub worlds great because it's it's like Monster Hunter World. It, it's it's not open world, but it's segmented, but it feels open world because the attention to detail in that world is so great um uh you you played some of rcs legends right yes barely though okay i might be wrong actually i've seen you very small a pin of time uh to play the uh, monster hunter whenever you're playing here in your light um am i wrong in thinking that monster hunter rise actually has like bigger hubs than world they you know, like one thing that's kind of interesting about Legends Arceus to me is how big the hub areas are. They're a lot bigger than I anticipated, and not now not like monstrously big where they're annoying to traverse, but they're big. And whenever you were doing um, the because what they're called, they're called palamutes. Is that right in the the dogs yeah. in the game? What are they called? Yeah, you're right, okay. palamutes uh, or palamuts, I guess technically. I guess it's palamute. Yeah, I remember but that you were saying. Like they're there, but they're there because the hub worlds are a little bigger. They're kind of like Legends RCS in terms of how big they are, but they're not like they don't overstay their welcome big wise. They just feel lived in. And part of the reason for the Palamut, Palamute, whatever, is to have an easier time traversing the bigger landscapes than we had necessarily in World. World was really vertical. But it, they really weren't that broad. Like they were big enough to where you could have distinct areas of the map, but. Well, yeah, and that's. I don't know. Um, to be fair, Rise is kind of like that. Rise is real vertical too, but it, it they okay. they just feel, you know, obviously there's hardware limitations with the way Rise was made, but it still feels like it's there's an attention to detail, and I feel like in most open world games, some of that detail is lacking, 
And a good example of that is the typical way that Grand Theft Auto games work. You could tell to some degree they're generated. So like you'll get into the you'll get into a Barracuda and then like two blocks later everything's a Barracuda. And uh <laughs> Yeah. You you have the same NPC skins that say the same things over and over and over again. But yet the stories of those games and just the sandboxy way fills in the rest of the blanks that the overworld creates. Um but you have some games actually it kind of goes into another response we have of of rude days but he specifically says that uh we need to start shortening games or making games more episodic where studios can release more content a generation i know many not like it especially the episodic part but we're getting at a point where all the best studios are only giving us one game a generation and it's true what did what did rockstar give us last gen Nothing. No, they gave us Red, Red Dead, Dead Two. That's it. That's one game. <laughs> yeah. The generation before well, yeah, that. For Chris, that's GTA Five is there. Yeah, I mean, Red what? Dead. GTA Five came out on PS4. I'm not I mean, saying it's a new it game. It did. I'm but just saying they gave us two games. It did, but like at that point, we're kind of counting the Last of Us for being. Well, Naughty Dog. What did they made Uncharted yeah. Four? And Lost Legacy. Yeah, the Uncharted Last of Us 4, remastered, of Us Uncharted 4. 4, yeah, Last of Us 2. Yeah. And Lost Legacy. Yeah. So Ooh, Lost Legacy is so good. That's a that's a big it is, it's great. That's a big thing there. And then you have you have other studios that do this too. But I actually agree with what he's saying to a degree, where just because a game has an open world doesn't mean that the game should be big. Like imagine this, you're talking about Red Dead 2, right? What if the story was it confined you to like there was an option to confine you to a very linear story but then if you wanted to in between story missions you had this open world that is very immersive to immerse yourself in but it's optional kind of how it is now but every but the story just plays out as the actual story right and through that I kind of sto- get what you're saying yeah like 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 traditional grand theft auto games when you think about it, traditional Grand Theft Auto games are very point A to point B to point A to point B, right? Um, and their open worlds are not immersive like Red Dead's are. They were for the time, but Red Dead 2 kind of did something on another level with the things that it tried to accomplish. And imagine kind if... Kind of being Cowboy Sim. Yeah, or just in real life, just a, just a, just a general Sim. Like, it, it's you know not bad from what I remember from playing it, but... <laughs> um, imagine if that was optional and imagine if you could just experience a story in just a single go like I think I was watching a, a a review or not a review but a discussion about The Last of Us and it might have been Nicky Jakey I forgot who it was but they they played every single combat encounter in The Last of Us 2 apparently like you can replay all the combat encounters in The Last of Us 2 like in like in a yeah. just you re- go through and replay them all, and it said it took him three hours and like thirty minutes to replay every single combat encounter on hard, um, but the game itself took like twenty five or thirty hours, however many hours it took him to beat, uh, which tells you there's a mm-hmm. lot in between those meat and potatoes to, to get there, and it's up to the game design on if that is good or bad, if it's done good or bad, um, and you know you have you have games like. Red Dead Redemption 2, massive open world games that try to tell a AAA story. And how is the disconnect between the AAA uh, or the massive open world that there is and the, and the AAA story? 
And does it feel like it's too big for what you're trying to accomplish? I know people personally who have said that they cannot play Red Dead 2 story because they feel overwhelmed by the open world. Um, and that's a that's a problem that we've had in our Discord that I've seen people say. I've seen people say it on Twitter. I think to some degree, like Chris, is that kind of an issue you have with it too? I don't know. Your, I, I know we've talked um, about it before, but I don't remember your full issues with it. Like so did the open world impact it? No, I think the open world is probably maybe the only part of the game I actually enjoy. Um, the problem is the sim aspects. It's it had weird checkpointing. I think the game and the characters move far too slow. But dude, it was that really game just, takes forever to get. Going. It does. Yeah. It takes four hours to get out of the. Well, maybe not four hours. More like two, maybe three to get out of the the dude, the, the area. first the first two chapters are so slow. <laughs> painfully slow i do agree with what he's saying though with what rude days is saying about shortening games because i don't think every every triple a first party game should be a 40 hour or 30 hour story and i think Mm -hmm. that's been a thing i agree with that there's been a thing we've been seeing a lot lately where like with spider-man is one i will always heart back to what me and you me and brett have said of like spider-man's story was just a little too long for reasons that shouldn't be um, for the weird pacing well, you issues know, that so slow it down. A second ago, you were talking about how, like, Red. What if Red Dead found a way to separate its story and open world and still have it there? I think we're kind of talking about what we always wanted out of Spider-Man, where we wanted Pretty to be much. able to just mainline the missions in yep. Spider-Man without being told the way to stop and experience the world. But I'm worried and that that's. A I don't. Old. I personally feel that that was a miss. It's like give me control. If I want to be Spider Man, I can be Spider Man outside of these story missions, and I will do that on my own. And I did plenty of times. And I think that's what made it so much worse. Whenever I'd spent 20 hours screwing around, swinging around, finding things, and having fun being Spider Man, just for me to beat a story mission, and the story mission be like, oh, by the way, you got to go be Spider Man separate from the story. It's like I don't care, dude. My grandma's about to die, bro. Or yeah. like the bomb's about to blow up this. City. And you're, like, you're just like, bro, I'm come on, let me go do what it is that I'm gonna do. You are sucking the tension out of these moments right now. Uh, yep, and, I'll never forget you know, it. it ended on like Peter Parker finding out about Doc Ock, and then he got out and he's like, and then Yuri calls him and I, she's like, You should do some patrolling. And I'm like, No, uh, I just bro, found out my professor is do. like the bad guy, like, don't lock me. And then it's like, Let me swing around for like three to five minutes. Which I'll say this, I've, I've said it before, but like when I replayed Spider Man on my PS5, it's so much better when you know the story beats and you know what happens because you don't feel that 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 pressure to like or that sense of urgency, um, and it made it much more enjoyable the second time around. But I do agree, I do think games should be shortened a little bit, especially I should say especially mainly talking about the AAA. Um, story-driven narrative games. I don't. I think. I honestly think that the reception for the order created a problem in the industry with that, where people are they like, did. "Bro, the order's too short. We need thirty-hour games." And then, therefore, you have games that are entirely too long. I will be honest. God of War is entirely too long of a game. The game should be twenty hours. I love the game, max. but it's hard to replay because it, of that. It, it is. I think first time it worked for me, but replaying it, I part of it is like the game's kind of long. That's my question. Even though I loved it, out of like I always were like in my head, if I had to put a number to it, that game's an eight point five out of ten. But the last like two hours of that game was like I was like, come on, like I know what we're crescendoing to. Let it crescendo. Let it let it climax, and then let it end. 
Let it do what it's trying to do. And but I still feel like the pacing crazily enough, it's one of the it's one of the better examples of of more modern AAA games. Weirdly, because, yeah. Uh, Chris, I know saw so you haven't played it yet, but Chris, I know that one of your big complaints and not even completely unreasonable uh, for The Last of Us 2 is pacing. And a lot of that pacing comes down to the fact that it seems like they just had to find a way to make that game 30 hours when well, it didn't need honestly, to be 30 hours. Yeah, if if like, if like someone, and, I, and once again, I don't know how accurate this is, and I don't want to misquote or missay who it was, but like if it was like Nike JQ who said like this game's only like three and a half hours or four and a half hours for the combat scenarios, and then... The rest of the game is like twenty five, right? Like that. So that's filling in. Like, like what is that game filling in? Like, how, how, like at that point, you have me thinking: How long are the cutscenes? How long are like the open world segments? Are the open world segments worth, like, or not worth it, but needed? Um, which I can't speak for the Last well, of Us too, but it it has you question that yeah. with any game design. I think especially well, just with the real last quick, of us, Chris, so. before you hop in, just because sure. I, I think it's interesting to to add to that point in particular. I personally think that while that's not the worst way to try and look at how much meat is in a game, it's not entirely right because games like the the last of us two have plenty of puzzle solving and player decision making where you choose how much you want to explore these areas. So like while I said the last of us two is 30 hours, it's probably not quite that long. It's probably more like 24, but saying it's four and a half hours of combat and everything else is a, is a weird form of filler. Well, no. Technically, it could be, and I'm not saying that's your argument or anything, no. but just for anybody who might have taken it as that way, The Last of Us has a lot of puzzle solving, and a lot of games have puzzle solving, and sometimes it's nice to have engagement in a game that's not tied strictly to combat. No, That's all I'll, we, I'll say. When you said that, it actually reminded me, it was Nicky Jakey who was saying it, and he was saying that... Um, it was about uh, and and go watch Nike Jakey's video for those that are interested in Last of Us Two because it's it's I actually think it's a really well done video. Even though I haven't played the game, but it is it's called Naughty Dog's game. Ga- uh, gameplay is outdated. Game design yes. is outdated, and he it's did one for design. Rockstar's game design is outdated. Rockstar too. as well, also um, true. But he made it a point that like yeah. he it's Naughty Dog is trying to tell a story about and he, he he calls it maybe he calls it outdated. I forget, but it's basically a story about revenge. And like he's like they're doing it from a narrative standpoint and a gameplay standpoint. And he said, when only your game, when your game from like a gameplay and combat standpoint, when the, the narrative is about the combat that happens, it's about the, the the motivation for revenge, and you're you are committing that revenge, revengeful acts, getting to this part. He's like, when it when that happens, and he's like and you're telling me that this is a big part of it, but it's only four hours of the game of a 20 hour, whatever it is, you know, he's like, you have to have, you have to be on your a game for the rest of the narrative. He's like, if, if you're, you yeah. know, if you're, if you're, if you're using gameplay to push a narrative and your gameplay for that narrative is only like four hours of the 20, then the, then the, the rest of it has to be a plus kind of thing, which I agree yeah. with in most scenarios, but I can't apply that to the last of us too. So I played it, you know, uh, Chris, go ahead, because I think you wanted to finish up on that. But then there's a, there's another point about the episodic thing that I think is an interesting thing to bring up. But go ahead. Well, to fin- to wrap up the Last of Us thing, m- my biggest thing playing that game twice now is I think they wrote The Last of Us, and it was a tight story, and then s- they wanted to make The Last of Us 2 and decided on a story and didn't know how to make a game around it. Again, there's two tutorials in the game for the same thing. There is. That's all I have to say about the last one. There is. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. insane. I, yeah, I think um, I think that there's ways to tell that same thing with the same major story beats, major mm-hmm. story beats, yep. and tell that game in roughly the same time as the Last of Us One, and 
even with the exact same happenings, minus even with the second tutorial, honestly, even with the exact same happenings, I think everyone would have perceived it a lot better had it had time to, if it didn't have so much time where you felt like you were retreading ground for no real reason. Mm-hmm. I'd be real curious to see if someone could like trim the fat of The Last of Us 2 with like a PC mod where it's like, here's all the things that matter. We made the game 14 and a half hours. Yeah, <laughs> like, how much better is that version of the game than, you know, and, and I enjoyed is- The Last of Us 2. And sometimes the link helps in some senses, right? It helps you feel more connected to characters, but it, it hurts other things. So it's a very yeah. interesting game. I mean, The Last of Us 2 is one of my favorite characters ever. So that's fine. Um, Lev is the best. Dude, Lev is great. So good. Yeah. In terms so of good. episodic, back to the community's take point, I would say in terms of episodic, I completely agree because I think I've said on this show hundreds of times that Pokemon should be one game that they release DLC for for $60 every year. They should, that they should just do that. I don't know why they haven't. There is no game just called Pokemon. And then, hey, the Pokemon every two Red years. DLC If you want to make it out. two years, yeah. No, screw that. Every I- year. <laughs> <laughs> Burnout exists, no, <laughs> and not the not the EA Racing franchise. No, um, that does. Well, I was exist actually going anymore. with which episodic. Yeah, you're right. Episodic <laughs> games do have some benefits, right? But if you remember, everybody was like freaking out about episodic with Final Fantasy. But they're like, "What does that mean? Like, what is episodic?" Because that's people think it was probably like a, a miss uh, a misquoting, like you know, like a mistranslation of a quote. Uh, but you have Mark who said, I find episodic games are far better when all episodes are available, which defeats the object of uh, the objective of releasing episodes. And it's a good point. I do not play episodic games until the entire season is out. Now, I don't mind the idea of separating a story into episodes so that you have big, you know, you have individual like episodic climaxes and resolutions and cliffhangers. That's cool. And that's, but really what I do is like, oh, The Wolf Among Us, I played The Wolf Among Us all five episodes back to back to back to back to back. And I actually liked how it rose and fall with, with its cliffhangers and how it was done in an episodic format where it sets up the tension uh, separate from the way a game would normally do it without looking at it from an episode standpoint, where it'd be like, well, there is no pauses here. We're just going to keep going. But Games absolutely go on episodic. The biggest problem I always have is almost every episodic game I've ever seen takes multiple months between episodes. And I think that that's pointless. It, dude, if TV shows had a one season take an entire year to come out because an episode only came out every four weeks, there's no way that show would do well. It just, it, you are losing the attention of the people you're trying to keep the attention of. You can do it across a week because you can create interest and intrigue and talk. I don't think you can maintain that for four weeks. And I think most people probably end up bouncing out and only finally finishing it once they've played all episodes. Mm-hmm. So. Did uh, but, you see that with the near Automata announcement for Switch today that Saul mentioned on the show, they are selling a wallet, a Yorha wallet. Um, would you Would you buy a Yorha wallet? Why do I feel like this is a joke? <laughs> kind of a joke, but I, it's not. They did the punchline themselves. Would you buy the wallet? Probably not. No? Well, you've ruined the joke, but it's $469. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. Yep. Hey, congrats to Nier Automata, though. I saw that it's uh, it sold $6.5 million. 
Yeah, great support for a game that for a game that Square was like, yeah, we're probably not going to make any money on this if if history (laughs) is anything to look at. Yeah, yeah, fair. I don't know. The, the The reason you know that game surprised Square is that they remade or remastered slash remade the first game, which was a commercial disappointment for Square. If you ever mm. needed proof that Square was like, hey, apparently there's some money to be made in this Nier thing, it's because Nier Automata blew up. Yeah. Um, all that being said, Saul had to go um, handle some business. Uh, so so we're going to go ahead and move on. Um, I had a customer today. He She brought me... Never mind. Continue. I, I oh, messed no. the joke up. We're just moving on. <laughs> no, Chris. <laughs> I can't believe you did this. I'll do. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll make the joke later. All right. Well, that said, there's a couple of more that we have. I'm going to run over to the Facebook real quick and get one that we have from uh, Mr. Cody McGinnis, one of my friends of a long time. Cody, if you're listening, hope you're doing well. He says, game variety and AAA releases. Most titles these days seem to be open world or first-person shooters. We could use a fresh breath of air of new IPs with new game styles, something unique like Nier Automata style switching gameplay. Also, linear games have almost disappeared, at least in AAA games. And a lot of uh, times, I like to focus on just the story and not 100 hours of side quest or exploring, which kind of comes back to that thing. And I think the answer is that we're all collectively getting a little older and we have a little less time. And even sometimes when we like these open world games, I think the reality is, is that we get tired of feeling like we're not making enough progress in a game to where you have that dopamine rush of like, I, okay, I've, I've met my dopamine requirement for the day for me to stay hooked on this game for the next day. So I agree with that. But the main thing that I thought was interesting is game variety because I do feel like there's been some stagnation in primarily the AAA space, but it does seem like there's been some concrete plans to a degree to try and work around that lately. Okay. Maybe this is, I think it was worse through the middle of the PS4 generation when almost everything was, and it still happened, but almost everything was over the shoulder, third person action adventure. But don't we get to a point where people just call something that appears indie and they, they don't consider it AAA regardless. That's true. It happens. Right? It happens, like, yeah. like if you look at the game I, I said, and it's in the news, um, only because I wanted it there and I write the news. Um, it's called uh, Harvestella. That is a oh, dude, AAA. I'm, I'm 100% talking about that game. That game looks amazing. That's it the game so I'm excited cool. for. It looks, it looks like everything I loved about Rune Factory, but actually better. Yep, it looks yeah. great. But if you look at that game, I guarantee, and I'm not talking about Cody, I'm just saying in general, that people will look at that game and call it indie because it's a it's a it's a farming simulator JRPG. You're right. right. But that is a triple A Square Enix game. <laughs> so there get, is so what you're saying is basically that there is variety, but people are pigeonholing Triple right. A as only meaning games that fit into these couple of things, even though right. other games are triple A. And it depends on what AAA means, right? Because arguably, Shredder's Revenge is a AAA game for .mu or .emu, however the hell you pronounce their name, right? That's their big yeah. game. That's a AAA game for them. But we're not. We don't consider it AAA because it's pixelized, right? You know, I think there's yeah. a lot of people. Budget's will, weird. And, and I'm gonna I'm gonna Google. This. I think I've done it before. But what defines a AAA game? And I think that there's there's a lot of benefits what you're talking about, but Here's the term AAA game is a classification. This is just Google while we're here. Uh, this is 
uh, arm.com. I don't know what that is, but it's a a classification used within the video gaming industry to signify high budget, high profile games that are typically produced and distributed by large, well-known publishers. They're essentially the equivalent of a blockbuster. For movies. You consider Astro's player a triple A? Triple A game? I think it kind of has to be. It's yeah. uh, I mean, I don't know, because right budget comes into play. I think it is. But if you really wanted to look, I don't think someone's wrong for saying like Astro's Playroom was probably not that expensive to make and it was a pack in game that they made no money on. So you know they didn't spend like millions on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think at that point it gets that gets to a point where triple A is we use AAA colloquially unless we're arguing about AAA, right? Unless we're having yeah, this that's, that's specific conversation, all AAA g- a means big games, right? Super Hades is a AAA game, yeah. I, but maybe it's not a AAA. At game. least, like you say, right? Contextually, <laughs> I think that that's the interesting thing. Is like I think the part of this particular de- definition, like you're saying, you only look at it this way when you're actually looking at it from this side of the conversation, talking about well-known publishers, uh, large, well-known publishers. Um, I kind of like the idea of looking at it like what's something that's AAA within the sphere of who's making it, right? Like .mu doesn't typically make games that are to the quality level and budget level of this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. So for them, in many ways, it probably is their version of AAA, at least in context to who they've been as a studio. Good example past that, Returnal. Returnal Mm -hmm. is a game that by most standards, I don't think that people would originally look at and be like, this is probably a AAA game, partially because of what type of genre it is. it's yeah. a, it's it's a um, a roguelite, and that's not normally a triple A genre. That's just not. But no. I don't think that there's any way that you could realistically look at Housemark and the games that they've made and not say that Returnal is their triple A. I don't even know that you yeah. can look at Returnal at all and say it's not triple A. I'm pretty sure yeah, it is. It's triple A, but I, I don't know. I just think the conversation shows that a lot of people when they talk about games, they're just very much. What is what's the big Ubisoft game of the year? What's this? What's that? Where like, go play Slay the Spire, go play Stardew Valley, hell, go play Gwent or Master Duel or XCOM, Midnight Suns. You know what I mean? There's so there's a ton of variety. I just think a lot of people, a, a lot of the problem is the IGN headline is never about those games, really. And even when they are right, like you bring up Marvel's Midnight Sun, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the weird things I saw is. I've mostly only seen positive stuff about it. But then whenever they were showing Midnight Sun in the middle of the Xbox game case, the game showcase mm-hmm. they did, or maybe it was Summer Game Pass, whichever one it was. I think it was Summer Game Pass. Almost all of the YouTube comments were like, this looks like garbage. This is so low budget. This isn't what I wanted. We want a real high quality Marvel game. And I'm like, this doesn't look high quality. You, This looks amazing. It does. Like, this looks so good. And I and it's funny to me that things that I don't think look bad can be considered jarring. Like this is a very different example. And Blake, I'm not th- saying that this is on you, but a good example of how sometimes expectations that are set within them in minds of individuals at a more big level is kind of like uh, earlier today, or maybe it was yesterday, Chris, um, where you shared that post of the guy who was a rock star head who went off and made his own studio, and his yeah. game that's coming up has Everywhere. that very art, that that very Nintendo esque art style, right? And there was a thing where it's like Blake was like, "I'm really surprised to see that," and it's like, 
not saying why, but it, it's it's a it's a symptom of what we're talking about in the fact that when you know this guy who's synonymous with Rockstar and you see him making a game of that style, that it's apparently jarring to you because it doesn't fit into the mold of what we typically view. And does that really should that matter? No, it should. No, it definitely shouldn't. It's just so. that's how people set themselves up. Yeah. Look, All right, we're going to move off from the uh, community's take. Thank you to everyone who responded. We've just been on it a little longer than I intended to. So <laughs> uh, rapid fire, Matthew Green says, stop being greedy bastards with microtransactions. Josh Drago says, more hot gamer chicks. And uh, Sean Easton says, always give a buy to own option on free games. There you go. Those are your, that, that's your catch catch all right there some rapid fire of a few other ones remember thank IGN you to everyone babes. who came in <laughs> we're gonna run we're gonna uh run through the news now uh so with that the first thing that chris put in the news here the worst part of ubisoft's new take on assassin's creed seems to be finally making a solo debut pirate game skull and bones the beleaguered project that the publisher has been making since its announcement in 2017 <laughs> has had a set of leagues revealing the release date to be November 8th, 2022. Alongside pre-order bonuses, other incentives include two missions, a smuggler's pass token, a digital art book, and a premium bonus pack. Tom Anderson, the game... Um, Tom Henderson says the game is set to be shown off in full sometime this July. So be on the lookout if the idea of this game brings you up to full mass. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I was proud of that one. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I'm going to tell you, man, I, I really wasn't that stoked for this game. This game is this entire premise with this game was based off of everybody who was so stoked at the boat mechanics in Assassin's it Creed sucks. 4. In Assassin's Creed 4. Yeah. People yep. were like, bro, we need a whole game of this in 2013. Yeah. <laughs> the, the boat stuff is the single worst part of Assassin's Creed. It's Dude, the reason I, I will never play Odyssey again. I can't speak on 4, right? But I'll tell you right now. Odyssey and the much, much lesser bit of it that was in uh, Origins yep. were the worst time I had with either of those games. And, yep. I, and I thought Origins was actually a delightful game. I quite enjoyed it. Odyssey was a train wreck, and I hated every bit of it. But <laughs> I would rather swim <laughs> than use the boats and do boat combat. Dude, I, yeah, either way, look right. Taking that away, the fact that it's taking you since people telling you that they love this mechanic from your game that you put out in 2013 and we're almost 10 years later and this game that you've been making for half of that time is still not out and still hasn't even really been shown in any way. There's nothing about this that screams confidence on Ubisoft's part, confidence on the developer's part, nothing. Now, I would love to be proven wrong. They show the game, it looks amazing, comes out, does well. Yeah, okay. I just have a feeling that if a game that got as much high press and love as gods and monsters uh, what was it eventually recalled immortal phoenix or phoenix something Rising, stupid yeah. god such a bad name gods and monsters is such a better name it is a much better name <laughs> but if god that damn monster game, energy if that game can underperform despite having all the breath of the wild good thing all the people who loved odyssey all the good things around that if that game can underperform this game that's been riddled with issues there's no way this game performs to anyone's expectations be it no, the publishers or the fans it's gotta it's be a, a sunken time fallacy thing where they're like we might as well we have to release <laughs> it because we've spent too much yeah i yeah. think so too sadly i think that that's what happened with immortal phoenix rising yeah that game's good though 
I'm not saying the game's bad. I haven't played it. I don't have a strong opinion. Only it's opinion good. I have on it is that it looked better when they showed it first than when they reintroduced it and showed it again. Yeah. They to made me, it Fortnite. Personally. But the game itself is fun. Uh, anyway, next thing up in the news, because I'm pretty sure we've all just Skull and Bones is a no. <laughs> yeah, no Saul, am I wrong? Are you going to just jump all over Skull and Bones? I'm a little excited, but I don't <laughs> know about how much. Okay, let me back up and say this. Any excitement that I might have had for this game was taken by the fact that Microsoft did this and better and quicker. Yep. Yeah. Sea of Thieves exists. Yep. And I don't really know what you're going to do that's going to trump a game that's been being developed for three and a half years and has continued to add features left and right. By the time that this game even comes out, Sea of Thieves will probably have added everything that this game might have originally had on Sea of Thieves when Sea of Thieves launched. And I think Sea of Thieves is just a more fun game. Now, we'll see. Maybe this game has the ability to add the one thing that I think Sea of Thieves has always been missing, which is a sense of consistent progression that kind of is lacking in that game, as much fun as it is, but it seems doubtful. Um, next thing up in the news, though, Sony has revealed its Endzone line of gaming gear. This brand is intended to appeal to PC gamers first, but will work perfectly well with the company's couch box. <laughs> they revealed two monitors. The high-end M9 model will be capable of 4K HDR 144 hertz and will retail for $899. The lower-end M3 retails for $529 and outputs 1080p at 240 hertz. They also revealed three headsets, which we knew about from uh, we knew about all of this more or less from a leak. But the three headsets range from $99 to $299. The highest end offering noise cancellation, uh, 3D spatial surround sound, and about 32 hours of battery life. All three will be compatible with the PS5 as well as the monitors having PS5 benefits as well. Um, kind of an interesting f- choice for them to do this outside of the PlayStation purview when they're putting PlayStation in the PC the way they are. If I was Sony, I would be like, hey, if we're making gaming specific things for PC, just call it PlayStation like, do it PlayStation's PC brand. Name all these things PlayStation things, but maybe they don't want to cause a uh, brand confusion. Even though I don't really think it. Even will. though they're releasing Spider Man onto Steam. <laughs> well, I just or, mean they don't I want people thinking if I I have to buy this to have a PS Five. Yeah, I, I could see that, but. I think that they're essentially getting having their cake and eating it too here because all they have to do is say, yeah, this is Sony, but all of the boxes and everything can say uh, compatible with pairs well with PlayStation or yeah. compatible with PlayStation. Whatever I mean, it I'm, be. I'm probably going to buy the M9 at some point. I'm going to put some score some money away just so I can have it on my desk. I've been thinking about getting rid of my big TV for a while. So, really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, 4K 144 hertz. Uh, how big is it? Is it a. 32, 29, 29, I think 29 to 27. Let me, I'll look it up while you do the next one. That's kind of a, Saul, that's kind of like your perfect range, or at least used to be. I know you finally got a bigger TV in your game room, but I know used to, you really like that kind of 32 inch range. Yeah. I have a 44 now and 44 is pretty, pretty decent for me. Yeah. Yeah. 27 inches. Uh, 27 inches. Okay. Average size monitor. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think this is cool. I think it's priced a little high, but Sony always tends to be priced a little high is the only thing. They make good products. I've never owned something from Sony that I didn't like. I just always feel like I pay about $100 more than I should have when it's actually Sony branded and not PlayStation branded. Yeah. PlayStation's done a lot better job except for the PS3 and being pretty price conscientious. I guess also the PS Vita memory cards. 
gotta throw that out there. <laughs> the Vita itself was well priced, actually, in my opinion. But it was. The memory cards were not, sadly. Uh, next thing up, Namco announces uh, a remake of a PS1 game, Pac-Man World. It's being remade and will launch later this year on August 26th. The company calls this a, quote, modernized classic, end quote, and touts its updated visuals, field of view, and gameplay as they announce the title. Um, Pac-Man World's fun. I remember this game for PS1. I could see myself having fun with this. If this is the game, I think it is. So I'm pretty sure it is. It's got a it's got a scene a section where you run from. Uh, hold on, this is gonna tell me right now. Yeah, the mummy. Uh, there's a level in Pac-Man World where you are running from a, a mummy, and it's in the view of like Crash Bandicoot Three, where you have the point of view where like you're running from the camera and I'm pretty sure that's Pac-Man world. And I like that one quite a bit. It gave me big crash bandicoot three vibes whenever you're in the uh, area with the sarcophagus and whatnot. Fun game. Uh, that being said, uh, do you boys have anything that y'all want to talk about with Pac-Man? No, <laughs> absolutely not. I, uh, when I used to work at La Coretta before CVS came and just destroyed it, Saul. I don't work there no more. Uh, we had a Mrs. Pac-Man machine, and I absolutely adored playing that game. I played it all the time. Like I would love when customers would tip me with change included. Like let me keep the change. Of like hell yeah, another quarter for the Mrs. Pac-Man machine. It's a great time. I don't know how good it looked for me being a waiter sitting up there playing Pac-Man between waiting on my tables. Cause like you'd be in the middle of a good run and like, I'd have to be like, please, Hey, go check on table three. <laughs> I'm not at the end of this run yet. And they, it looks like they need some drinks, but it was a good time. Uh, next thing up in the news, single best video game ever created as per Chris <clears throat> persona five Royal was the center of a Titanic shift in the industry. I love how grandiose you make this piece of news. <laughs> This is a pretty good joke. Uh, this is pretty good in here. I think I do some good writing. Was the center of a titanic shift in the industry earlier this month when it was revealed that the longtime PlayStation exclusive was breaking the green ceiling <laughs> and releasing on Xbox in October this year? Reportedly, the new version of the game comes packed with 45 DLC items, including costumes and a new persona. And guess what? It also breaks through the red ceiling because it's coming to Switch, baby. <laughs> yeah maybe now playstation would be like ah crap we really do got to try and buy atlas from sega <laughs> too late it would be so I, funny i got what if, i wanted on the switch if this pissed them the <laughs> hell off and they're like fine we're buying sega we're gonna we're gonna kill sonic we're just gonna shoot him in the street but you're never playing for sony again <laughs> ben schwartz Woo. is gonna die but you're never gonna play persona ever again on xbox <laughs> oh man that would be wild. You know, it'd be more wild. And I'm not, I don't even think legally there's any way to make it happen. I guess you could to a degree. The physical versions would always exist. But if Sony bought them and then retroactively pulled all copies of, <laughs> of the game from digital storefronts and any stores just to be okay. pity, like just to be petty, be like, you know what? Fine. Every copy, it'd be more crazy if they could make the the buyout happen before the game's supposed to release, and then they end up stopping <laughs> the produced copies at the manufacturing warehouse, and it's it like becomes NBA like this or some eBay item. Yeah, yeah, and it's like <gasps> you can own Nintendo Switch copy of Persona Five for six thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> 
They have a government-sponsored Persona 5 buyback program. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be so ridiculous. But it would be funny. Here's the thing. Persona. I don't, I'm not that petty in person, but I live for that level of petty sometimes. It's just oh, fun yeah. to witness. You know if what I, I mean? I can see that. That's why I the, would uh, both be like, I'd be sad that everyone lost the ability to play these games they were so excited for, but I'd be like, bro, that that seems like a move that Microsoft would do because they have the fuck you money to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Sony, I don't think have the money to not only buy Sega, but then also stop from selling one of the mo- like one of the few very profitable things that Sega has going for it. Phil would just <laughs> knock on your door and just kind of, uh, hey guys, um, I heard you have a copy of Persona Five on the PS Five. I'm going to need that. <laughs> Hey, listen, I take offense. I take offense to how closed your eyes were because the entire time that man was on stage, I was like, this is what I look like when I smile. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> My he, eyes he shuts his eyes. He shuts his eyes when he talks publicly. It's the, awesome. Dude, the entire time he was talking, he's like, "We've paired with some great Japanese creators." I'm like, "Is this man's eyes closed?" I Is this what I so look like? I'm so excited to introduce the team. Look, the Saul, legendary. You've known team. me long enough. <laughs> sure. When I get when I, when I talk like that, do my eyes shut like that? A little bit. To, in terms of outward looking, <laughs> a little bit. A tad. <laughs> ah. My squinty eyes. There's nothing I can do about it. You know, I, I don't know what else. To, I, I perpetually look like I'm like, isn't that what they call that squinting? Whenever you like squeeze your eyes to try yeah. and focus on something small. Exactly. Oh, I gotta be careful. I'm pretty sure Lindsay Ellis was canceled for saying squinty eyes, or for saying like she's if you squint. Who is <laughs> yeah. that? Uh, some YouTube educator chick. I don't know much about her. All I remember is that she said something about everything ripping off the last of uh, the, the last airbender. And then she made a follow up tweet that was like, I can see how if you squint your eyes, it's a it's me saying that all Asian, uh, all Asian inspired things seem like the last airbender. And they were they were like, people got onto her for saying squint because apparently that's an allusion to Asian eyes. I think, I don't actually know if that's why people got mad. I just remember seeing people saying that it was racially July's, charged. July's I, PS Plus games <laughs> have been reportedly revealed. Yeah. The games Let's available from, from July that. 5th to August 2nd are Crash 4, Man of Madonna, and Arcade Again. <laughs> hey, Crash 4, top tier game. Yeah, I need top to play more game. of it. If, if you've not played Crash 4, I, I encourage you. It's amazing. So good. It did the impossible. It followed up Crash Three with a with a direct sequel, without sucking. Twenty years later, <laughs> twenty two yeah. years later, a long time. Twenty years later, I think. Go enjoy it's your a great go game. enjoy your game. Uh, Arcade again, isn't that the one from the people who made the uh, camp? What, what is that game called? It's not the um, asymmetric uh, Psygnosis? No, I made that name up. Now, Cygnosis is the original name for the Wipeout developers before they became uh, of, um, uh, crap. Sony Lumber. Before they became, no. Yeah, shit. Evolution. No, they got it's, closed. Uh, it's Evolution or Sony London. It's one of those. It's two, not either one of those. I wish that you wouldn't have done this. It was Studio Liverpool. That's that's what I said. London, Studio, <laughs> Studio Liverpool. That's what I said. But anyway. Yeah, that was what Cygnosis was. Uh, you were killing me over here that I can't remember what I was trying to say now. Uh, but it's made by the people who made the Friday the 13th game, right? And the... Uh, oh, yeah. 
the game, the was it Aliens? Not Aliens. Sorry, Predator. the Predator game. Predator hunting. Yeah. Game. That game, I'm not gonna lie. That game did not look good at all to me. Like, no, no. I, I won't say good. It looked uninspired. Yeah, the Friday the Thirteenth game was okay. I played a decent amount of it. Yeah, Man of Madon. I don't know, man. I've been so back and forth on whether I'm gonna do the quarry. I think I'm gonna do it just because I told you I would, and I don't want to go back on my word. But oh, people seem split on that game. I've seen people say like it's good, but not as good as Until Dawn, and I've seen other people say like. Until Dawn is the only time that Supergiant or Supermassive, whatever, uh, have has been managed to pull that type off. Yeah, I want to play the quarry simply to find out if Until Dawn was the outlier. <laughs> At this point, maybe that's what I have to just be like, my $70 of reward points is for science. Well, okay, listen, <laughs> I'm not... That's the only one that had Sony money behind it, right? Yeah. That's and the only one that the, was good. Uh, and they like, had the studio, they had the engine, they had the uh, the Decima engine. Yeah. yeah. What I'm saying well. has nothing to do with a, any kind of fanboy thing. I'm just saying they had the backing of a big studio clearly oh, paying Oh, no, that's for not them. right. That's not right. They had, because uh, the Inpatient was also Sony funded. Uh, yeah, but those uh, are Bravo not. Bravo Team was also Sony not funded. Now, those are both Madonna. VR games. That's a little yeah. different. Uh, I'm talking but they also this had that game, game that was that... Not share play. What do we call it? Play Link? They had that Play yeah. Link game that actually looked good and I never got a chance to play it. I still own it. <laughs> Hold yeah. on. Play Link, super massive. It was is a game where um Hidden Agenda. Yeah. It looked good, but I don't know if it was actually good. For the sake of being quick, I'm gonna look up Hidden Agenda uh Metacritic. I don't really love Metacritic, but it's going to give me a good idea of how people felt about it. The user score is a 6.6 and the the Metacritic score is a 66. Man, that's like literally perfect. (laughs) Perfect (laughs) time. And for the sake of, for the sake of, let's see what people thought of it. Let's look at what Until Dawn is. Until Dawn is a 79 uh, in the Metascore and an 8.3 user score. So it's starting to sound like Until Dawn is the outlier. You know the crazy story behind Until Dawn? Is that it was originally being made as a PlayStation Move title yep. for PS3. And somehow it became that great game. Yeah. Wild times. Use the move as a flashlight. I remember when that was announced. My God, I am old. That's actually a cool idea, though. I remember actually thinking, like, the game could still suck, but mechanically, using the move controller as a flashlight would have been really cool. All right, hear me out. In Kojima's Silent Hill, you have to use a move <laughs> controller. <laughs> No, Alan Wake 2, you'll be able to use PSVR 2 and you'll be able to control the flashlight with your actual VR controller. Oh, That's a real prediction. That's, That's a real prediction. going to be true, too, so don't tease it. I want it. <laughs> you heard it here first. Leaker confirmed. I know inside information. <laughs> oh, you're insider WTF. And if I'm wrong, then I didn't say that. You didn't hear that from me. I don't know no, what I'm talking we're about. deleting the episode. But moving on to the next piece of news... Actually, back up real quick. This yes. is the first time that we've gotten announcements for PS Plus games since PS the new PS Plus has pretty much been launched in almost every territory now. This is a pretty solid list. I was wondering mm-hmm. if the games were going to take a, a really big drop for because they're available for all tiers or not. I think that this is a good sign that even the bottom tier of PS Plus still is going to get some good games. Yeah, I would agree. Or, you know, worthy games. Decent games. Yeah, I mean, better than some months. By far, 
there was a few weird months there where I was like, you can't really argue because it's like I'm still getting a, from a value proposition. These games, if I were to buy them, even if I wouldn't have bought them, would have been like $60. And that's what I paid for the whole year. <laughs> you know, but is what it is. Uh, next thing up and the big news for the day, Capcom announced the Mega Man Battle Network collection. The collection includes a ton of games and releases in 2023. The titles are Mega Man Battle Network, Battle Network 2, Battle Network 3 White and Blue, because this is when they started deciding that all of these games needed to have two versions, like the Metabots game that had the Meta B version. <sighs> And then whatever the other version that I can't remember the Metabots name. Uh, they have Battle Network 4, uh, Red Sun and Blue Moon. Battle Network 5, Team Proto Man and Team Colonel. Battle Network 6, Psybeast Gregar and Psybeast Falzar. There you are. That is, what, 10 games? You have it. Ten. Nice. There you go. I don't even care if it that has the Mega amazing. Man borders on the screen, which it does. It, yeah, it almost absolutely does, which is fine. Uh, dude, Blaze and I have been talking about how cool it would be to see this series come back mm-hmm. in some capacity, and this is completely fine with me. My only hope, because I still think a modern Battle Network could work really well, my only hope is that this sells so well that Capcom's like, fuck it, let's try to make a new Battle Network. <laughs> oh, I would be so happy. That's my real hope, because I, I think there's tons of ultra realistic one. Last of Us Hear graphics. me out for a second. I kind of wish that they had stumbled across the idea for Battle Network on the Dreamcast and they had it to where you could play Battle Network with your Dreamcast, connect it to online, play with other people, but then when you wanted to, you could pull your VMU out of your Dreamcast controller and carry your Mega Man Battle Network dude around and link with other memory cards like you could and have other people's VMUs and do the battles there. That seems like something that little like seven to eight year old Brett would have just been like, holy shit, man, can you believe it? Because I'm already going to tell you, I could not believe that I could carry my chow around with me in the VMU. I thought that was the most amazing shit in the world. One of my favorite things of all time. I just wish that the VMU would have been used for a little bit more. That would have been one of my favorite things ever. Maybe that can happen now. I've always thought Battle Network would have made sense to make as a phone game and let people just freaking you know jack in jack off on your phone (laughs) my my real hope is that multiplayer is cool but there's something that's kind of fun about having to be around the person you're doing the battling and stuff with so i would love for it would never happen but i would love for a game to be ballsy enough to be like here's a new battle network it's on switch and it is multiplayer but it's only ad hoc multiplayer so you must be within so many feet of the people that you're playing it with so that you have that classic experience of of meeting up and socializing with people to play this game never gonna happen though what's more crazy is dude that many battle network games came out on one system there's some DS ones, five and six, there, I think. There were both DS ones. I was trying to figure that out. Oh, it's a whole video game series. Yeah, I was trying to figure out which ones came out because I don't think I played any of the later ones. I always forget that Mega Man's Rockman in Japan. Like, I know that. It's just weird. So this game called Rockman Battle Network. <laughs> I guess that works. Let's see. Five had GBA version and DS version. And it looks like six may have been strictly DS. No, it's still Game Boy Advance. And 
not a DS version. Weird. Learn something new every day. Why did they were like, hey, you know what? We need a DS version of five, but not six. I don't know. These decision making. It's all weird. I'm excited for that. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But now for the game we were talking about earlier, Harvestella, a Stardew Valley-like JRPG. I would argue that it's less Stardew Valley, but I get where you're coming from there. It's farming sim meets dating sim meets JRPG action JRPG that's coming out from Square Enix and releasing November 4th, 2022 for Switch and PC. Hopefully this is a game that eventually finds its way across the aisle to PlayStation because it seems like a great game for that. But if nothing else, this is one more game for me to be excited for now that I have this Switch OLED that I have to try and justify by playing. Uh, game looks awesome. Saw, I know you and I both loved uh, Rune Factory 4. was excited for Rune Factory 5. May go ahead and pick it up. Uh, what did you think of this? It looks great. Looks so yeah. cool. I think uh, bringing that camera, like I liked Rune Factory's top-down camera. I really didn't mind that because I think at the time I was kind of looking for a Zelda-like it's the art style, yeah. and it gave you that. It works with our style. But well. I do like that this is more of a behind the back isometric style game. I, I really like the visually, like Chris said, this is a high budget style of game or a high budget version of this style of game. You don't see this type of production value in this type of game usually. No. Um, so, Chris, clearly you're excited about it too. What you thinking? I just think it looks awesome. It, I think i think it's funny because you said i don't know if this is stardew valley and then described stardew valley so that to me is just like it's stardew it's it to me it looks like a stardew valley jrpg and i'm super in i'm gonna be honest with you i've not played stardew valley really at all you said farming um, simulator dating sim and that is literally what stardew valley well is. no that's true because <laughs> that's just yeah but the combat thing is where i'm coming into it's more rune factory because this combat plays a big part in this yeah uh, well I'm but you're right it has the elements of a jrpg in the framework of stardew valley that i like if rune factory 5 didn't tear rune factory 4 didn't take 87 hours to start up i probably would like that game more but it took so long i was so about to ask you if you ever start. played any more of it I, I might so actually today because i can't find anything i want to play so i might give it another shot but do it reach into the dark side i believe in you it's too late for me. Uh, so. But yeah, that looks awesome. I, I hope that that's a game that ends up making it across just because many platforms as it can be on the better. But goes to show that uh, Sony doesn't have all the Square Enix exclusives. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is an incredibly cool game. Uh, last piece Weird of news here from Software game. is apparently almost done with its next release in an interview with Fort. Excuse me, with Four Gamer, a Japanese publication, Hidetaka Miyazaki revealed that the studio is in the quote final stages end quote of its next release. No more details or hints were given, but it's exciting to hear that they're almost there. Now, before anyone gets too excited, final stages could still mean that they're in the final swing of main production. Uh, so this is really a vague thing. All it lets you know is that they're in major production part. This could still be a game that's a year and a half away, two years away. There's no way to tell. Uh, but in the end of this show, let's have a little fun. I know we all love some From Software games, even if Elden Ring didn't quite stick with me. I got to come back to it one of these days. Uh, what is your hope as to what this is? Because I don't know if you guys remember, but about two, three years ago, maybe, people were, he was, they were talking about what games that they had going on and people were like, people were asking this interviewer about, uh, Armored Core and the guy ended up being like, so is there any chance of Armored Core? And Miyazaki said, 
that they are looking to revisit Armored Core in the future. Do you think that there's a chance that this is Armored Core? It'd be sick. Yes. That was the I other think question it's I was going to have is, but dude, maybe it's Armored Core. Dude, doing Kingsfield now when they have so much more clout behind that name <laughs> would be so cool. really interesting. Yeah. Because they made a lot of Kingsfield in Japan. We just didn't see the majority of them over here. Really? Uh, so it'd be really interesting. I'm pretty sure there was a Kingsfield on PSP in Japan. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. I remember looking and thinking that that seemed crazy. Uh, let's see. Kings, yeah. Kingsfield Additional 2 was a PSP game that launched in 2006. Wow. All right, all right. And Kingsfield Additional was a PSP game before that. So... Crazy times, but they definitely could do what they want to. Uh, I'm going to admit something right now. I don't think I've ever played an Armored Core game. I, I know what they are. I know they exist, but I don't think I've ever actually played one. I love that. They're pretty good. So I don't have that love for Armored Core or for From Software that's specifically related to Armored Core. The bigger question, though, is that doesn't... Who... Who's the publisher for Armored Core? Do they own that? Or is yeah. Armored Core owned no, by From it. and they can publish whoever they want? Is that what it is? I believe Good. they own it. Because, you know, a lot of time these things get caught up. Um, you get weird situations where, like, Square Enix owns the rights to uh, Guard, but the Guard 2, for some reason, of all of the games was published by Ubisoft in America. Really? But, but one, 1 and 3 were both published by Square Enix in America. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. So you never know. I, I didn't know if it was one of those things. Cause like one Armored Core game that used to be at uh, at GameStop when I worked there said Ubisoft. And I think one of the other ones was Sega. And I'm like, is it because of who they partnered with? Is this like a The Witcher situation where The Witcher partnered with W or CD Projekt Red partnered with WB to be their supplier and, you know, essentially their publisher, but only for distributing? That's really all it was, was distribution. So, who knows? Um, but what are the chances of uh, Bloodborne 2? <laughs> hey, Chris. Yes, sir. What was that What was that long-running Bloodborne 2 joke? What? You don't remember? I don't remember. How no. you were talking, you used to talk about Bloodborne 2 was absolutely happening and it was happening at... Uh, oh, I mean, I yeah, Blue Point's making Bloodborne 2. Yeah, there yeah. you go. So, so there's no way at all that this game could be Bloodborne 2 or another PlayStation exclusive from, from software? It, it very well could be a PlayStation exclusive, but it's not Bloodborne 2. It could be Bloodborne Remastered. When do you think we see Bloodborne 2 from from Blue Point? Whenever Blue Point's ready, year. Man. <laughs> Whenever no Blue Point's ready. Listen, well, listen, look. listen. Go ahead. Bloodborne, go ahead. Bloodborne 2. I want them to take their time. They became a great studio after uh, after Demon's Souls. They were already a great studio, but they really came to their own with Demon's Souls. Bloodborne 2. They're already making it. They're already making it. Miyazaki works for Blue Point. They're already making Bloodborne 2. Mm. He works there. Mm. Him mm. and George okay. R. R. Martin and Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> Are, making, are all working on Bloodborne 2? <laughs> didn't all didn't, didn't Brandon Sanderson too. do Mistborn? Yes. Yeah, okay. In a way of kings. I love yeah. Brandon Sanderson. Good reference there. He's amazing. I uh, kickstarted his uh, hard books, or his new books. I'm excited. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. 
I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan. I've said this for a long time that I wish games would just completely, which I guess is hypocritical because I've always said that I think it's way better that PlayStation just keeps it simple and calls it PS2, PS3, PS4, PS5. But I hate, and I think the reason being is that because games and stories can have prequels and sequels that are out of line that I always hate when games feel the need to be like God of War three and then they make the next one they just call it god of war again i'm like bro just don't give games numbers only ever give them surnames and part of me wouldn't want it to be called bloodborne 2 i just would want it to be like called bloodborne sons of yarnum or something ridiculous like something that is not bloodborne 2 but it's clearly not bloodborne you differentiate it by giving it a surname like i always thought it was weird that uncharted 1 2 and 3 decided to put the number and a surname so you're like drake's (laughs) fortune a thieves in, or sorry, um, um, among thieves. Among thieves. Drake's deception, and then a thieves end. Uh, like, why did you bother giving them surnames if you're still just gonna put the number beside it? It seemed weird to me. Like Uncharted Lost Legacy sounds so much better than Uncharted Five Lost Legacy. If I'm just being honest, it's it's thematic, dude. Get to know hey, your literary so. themes. All I'm glad is that they didn't try. What, what I hate is when games are inconsistent and it's like you have Uncharted 1, 2, 3, and then Golden Abyss because Golden Abyss can't have a number because it takes place before 1. You could always do the the Lion King 1 and a half where you, you come back in the... Like we're going to put, put a half there. This is Uncharted 0.5, Golden Abyss. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't do that. I would have liked that. That would have uh, been funny. Birth by, birth by honestly, the Golden it, it Abyss. have <laughs> 0.2. Uh, I love three hundred and sixty-five. But the naming back, conventions are stupid. Yeah, stupid. It's rough. They're very hard to follow. Uh, but that's that's okay. If if they were consistent, I'd forgive it a little bit more. But they're not. You have <laughs> you have Kingdom Hearts one, two, and three, and then you have three, five, eight days over two, and you can't <laughs> even tell that that's how it's supposed to be said because it just looks like three, five, eight slash two days. <laughs> but. Well, that's where we are. Uh, community stake. What do you guys think? Do y'all want the community to speculate on what From Software's next game might be? Uh, what, what are you thinking? I want to hear. From Software's game is good. I would kind of be interested to hear some feedback on the fanboy conversation. I think I have a very hot take, but maybe it's not that hot. <sighs> I, you know what? I'm I'm cool with that. Uh, I want to go see what you guys think of one other thing, and that was given in the podcast uh, open discussion part in the discord and Jason Clendenning, one of our patrons had hopped in there and asked something in regards. And I, I feel like I may be going too far back, but I don't think so. Um, we've had a lot of conversations in the podcast open thing on accident. Uh, yeah, if you'd like to get into the podcast, you can go to our Patreon, which is patreon.com dash I think actually you can do it anyway, anyway, but that's probably the easiest way to find access to the Patreon or to the discord, have conversations with us about the show, answer the community's take, even have an open discussion yeah. about the podcast. Right. Yeah, man. Why not? You know, mm-hmm. uh, Man, maybe I'm missing it. It might have been in the community's take. You might also be able to join us on Facebook for more conversations there at facebook.com slash triangle squared, right? Yep. Got that right? Yep. Facebook.com slash triangle squared, where you can request to join, and Brett will obviously let you in. This is free free space, man. There's no bouncers at this club. 
Did you find it yet, or do I need to keep uh, making stuff up? No, keep stalling. (laughs) All right. Um, I found it. (laughs) So my mom came into my room today to give me some bad news. Uh Uh-oh. Right? But she she said that she got my favorite soy sauce to go with dinner. And I looked at her and said, man, you really kick a man while he's down. Wow. Oh, I don't even know what Brett... <laughs> that was the joke earlier that you chose. <laughs> that was 100% the joke from earlier. I found, I found the spot to slide it in. Oh, Saul, the moment has come, and, and it finally happened. I ate sushi Friday. How'd you like it? It was all right. I got tempura shrimp. Sushi. I was going to say... Never had sushi either. Uh, the sushi I get is not real sushi. It is, but it's not. It has fried shrimp on it, and it's really good. The one I got, the tempura shrimp, is is essentially fried shrimp. <laughs> you know, it's breaded, but it was good. It, it was uh, it was that and eel sauce and uh, cream cheese. I think is what it was. It was it was good though. I liked it. Uh, and then I had some of Hannah's tiger, no Philadelphia roll, which was uh, salmon, avocado, and cream cheese. That was pretty good too. And then I had a spicy tuna one and a spicy yellowtail one because we went out with uh, Jeanette and Ryan uh, to Fuji's on a last minute little thing. So. Uh, Sushi is on the collective friend thing now. I finally completely opened. I was I would go to Fuji's anyway because I like their other food that wasn't sushi related. But now I've opened my 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 mind to sushi and I've I've I did it. Well, uh, I did it, Dad. If you do it again, I highly recommend the Pink Lady Roll. It is uh, cream cheese, uh, fried shrimp uh, with soybean paper, and soybean paper is more there just for texture. Okay. Um, and yeah. it is, it's it's pretty, pretty good. Hey, Chris. Yeah. Next time that you come down, because you mm-hmm. said you haven't eaten sushi yet, right? No. Okay, next time you come down, we all go to Fuji's, and we eat the sushi, and we, and we experience this together. I don't know, man. Because there's a whole wide world of sushi that I've not had and never thought I would eat, and, and there's a little sliver of sushi I have eaten. So I now we get to expand to our fish. horizons together. But you know what? I'll, I understand, but Chris, I will be there. And you, you know what? You. That's why they have tempura, tempura chicken and tempura shrimp rolls because it's not raw. It's fried shrimp yeah. battered with tempura breading inside that, of a sushi. That might be okay. You can, you you can slowly step in. Eating raw fish. You dip your toes in the water. It makes me feel like a certain word makes me feel. So I don't want to eat The M word? The M word. My, my new uh, AGM at my job also has that thing. And it's very yeah. funny because, like, I've I've oh. been very aggressive. Like, I I'm people's boss now, so I get to to yeah. do arbitrary shit. Like, oh, you say that word again, I'm fucking sending you home. <laughs> Which I don't I've think you guys will meet him. Yeah, because you were here and gone in a flash. But uh, one of my best buds, Blaze, his I wife. I think I met him. Okay, yeah, I met him. Did you? I don't. I'm pretty I sure. can't remember. Skinny guy. I can't remember. Tattoos. I mean, I'm yeah. fairly positive I met him. Maybe. Either way, point being is that his wife, this weekend we were with them, and uh, she doesn't like that word either, right? Yeah. And she tried arguing that she found a new word that fits for it and that it was saturate, uh, saturated. Or I saturated. like that. And I said, I said, that's fine. I said, you can, ha- you can say that all you want. And Chris, you're going to cover your ears because the point has to stand here. <laughs> I'll tell you when. But what I told her is that if someone came to me and said that this cake is... Damn. Moist. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. But if someone <laughs> came to me and said that the cake was that, 
Yeah. I'd be like, bro, yeah, that, that sounds like delicious cake. But if somebody came to me and said that, that cake was damp or saturated, <laughs> I would think that that cake sounds disgusting. <laughs> and that's why I was like, that's how you know they're not the same thing. That's how you I, know. Those words are not complete synonyms for each other because otherwise damp cake would sound delicious. And it doesn't. It doesn't. Nope. <laughs> it sounds, this chocolate cake is damp as hell. But more importantly, she also finds the word flaccid to be like, she doesn't, yes. that gives her weird chiffers as it's well. And word. I thought that was I interesting. Didn't, I didn't have a thing about the word chunky. And then we were cleaning up my kitchen and we were mopping. And my boss kept saying that the crap that we picked off the floor looked chunky. And she just kept saying the word chunky, describing it. And it made me feel so sick. I was like, Diane, now, you have now, to stop. I'm going to throw up. Now you're a little off on chunky. I'm a, I'm a little... I'm a little put off by Chucky. You know. Well, here, let me throw this out there. So uh Jason, one of our patrons, has been on and off a few times. We appreciate it, Jason. He said, I had an idea for a podcast discussion question, or in this case, it could be a community stake. Who is the most overrated game dev or game? Ooh. And or who is the most underrated dev slash game and or game? Give me all four. So what do you think about what do you think about that? I like that. I'm down with that. Okay. I do. I, I encourage anyone who's listened through the episode to give us your feedback about what you think about fanboys. I think that that's a worthy conversation. I would love to have you guys join in social media, YouTube comments, wherever it is that you're finding this. Hop in there. Let us know what you think about fanboyism. And if it has to be an inherently bad thing, like some people seem to propose it, whether or not they actually agree with that, or if it's really that fanboyism has just become a the, the overarching term that people use, but they don't really mean all fanboys because like most things, there are levels of severity. <laughs> and uh, we'd like to see your opinion on that. But yeah, we'll get that uh, out to you. All the social media, like Chris said, Discord in the description below, Facebook, Twitter at Triangle SQRD. Remember to go over to patreon.com slash nartech if you want to be like the fine people who we've talked about all video long. All you lovely people who give us a little bit of your money and, of course, your time every month to help keep this show going for all of those who may not be able to. We are forever thankful of it. Yes, we are. And unless you boys have anything else y'all want to add into this, uh, I think it's time to bid adieu to 267. 267? I hardly knew you. <laughs> Shout out to our patrons, Awesome Dave1337, Aztec King, Lee Chion69, The Lord Corgi, Salvador Garcia, Hammond Egger, Bailey Robertson, Rob Warpoint, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days93, Joshua Lago, Kevin Bacon Bits, Luke Rabbit, Danny Villiobos, Jehudi MD, Sean, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Santarude, Steven Salazar, Shadowist, and of course, my name is Dan. Thank you all. We'll see y'all next week. Bye-bye.